4: All righty. Hello. Welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We got a handful of baseball games to talk about today and a Badger football game. We are glad that uh, Badger football is back. It just it feels right uh, just this time of the year. It's it's a busy time of the year for us because like the Brewers are are getting close to the playoffs and the Badgers football just started. A Packers football starts this weekend, which is super exciting. We've been doing a countdown. On on our page, if you follow us on, on Facebook and Instagram. We've been counting down by using our stat projections that we did at the end of July. And mm-hmm. the Packers are starting on Sunday. And then we're getting close to Bucks preseason already. So it's, it's, it's the most it's, wonderful it's,
1: time of the year, dude.
4: It's, that's that's what on. it feels like. Like this and draft time are like our most busiest times of the year. Like the September, October, like where where baseball, football, and NBA are all about to be going at the same time. Yeah. And then we're starting to think about uh Badgers basketball not long after that. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a busy time for the for the old Wisco Fanatics show, but we are here for it and we we love it.
1: Bro, this is our Christmas. Like the kids get Christmas when it's like shitty outside. Like this is our Christmas. Still 90, still 80 degrees outside. We still go outside, go for a nice walk at night. But this is our Christmas, dude. All the sports at
4: one time. Yeah, for sure. So we actually started last Friday, but we will have Friday shows now through the rest of football season. And obviously we'll still be here on Wednesdays. Um, Mm -hmm. Fridays are just for the Packers. Uh, Wednesdays is going to be the Bucks, the Badgers, and the Brewers. Um, Mm -hmm. So today, starting with the Brewers, we have our Bruce power pair and underrated performer. Jake, who yep. is your power pair and underrated performer?
1: All right. So let's get this going here, huh? I know uh, we had kind of a tough loss today, but we're going to bring those positive vibes back around. And we're going to start it out with William Contreras. Um, good as always. Uh, this guy, definitely a top three catcher uh, in baseball. I know I asked you last week, but in, in my opinion, he's definitely top three. Yeah. Um, 7-24, to 24, five runs, only one double this last week, one home run, two RBIs, four walks, and he got his third, third stolen base of the season, uh, but one stolen base for last week. Uh, that's a .292 average, a .393 on-base percentage, a .458 slug, and an .851 OPS. So, again, solid as always. For pitcher, you're going to be actually pretty surprised by who I picked. Right. I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you. I took Andrew Chafin. Chafin, am I saying his
4: name wrong? Chafin.
1: Chafin. I don't listen to the games. I tell you, I'm playing with my kids.
4: I just watch the games, so I don't even listen. Chafin. Chafin. White guy. If he was, if he was like any sort of like middle American or Latin American, it would probably be Chafin. But he's <laughs> a big old chubby white guy with a with a big old mustache. So it's definitely. Chafin. So, so uh, Chafin. Chafin. Whatever you want
1: to call him. he had uh, a mustache (laughs) mustache he played three games this last week he led all the bullpen with three innings pitch he only gave up one hit one walk he had two k's and he won a game so that's a zero era and a zero six seven whip and i know that a lot of brewers fans have kind of been on his case but um he actually had a really solid week and starting to put some things together hopefully that's a sign of things to come
4: can i can i give you like a comparison to how i feel about him Um, he's, he's having kind of like a, like a Tyrone Taylor-esque, like bounce back. That's how I I, feel about it. Cause like, like I was basically done with him and now he's strung a few good appearances, uh, in a row, which I, which I appreciate and is obviously good for the team. So I'm obviously going to continue for that or to continue cheering for that to be the case.
1: Hold on real quick. Taylor. Don't dodge me in Madden, bro. You're saying to invite you. Don't dodge me. I'm gonna pl- I'm gonna play you this weekend. We're gonna we're gonna set some up maybe Saturday night. Um, my up is Andrew Monasterio. seven of twenty one, one run. He had his first career triple, which was today. Mm-hmm. Uh, one That's RBI good. and a walk. It's a three thirty three average at three sixty four on base percentage, a four twenty nine slug, and a seven twenty nine OPS. So. He's just been rock solid and the reason that I picked him for that is because of the news of Josh Donaldson getting signed kind of putting some pressure on him and he responded very well in my
4: opinion. So, uh shout out to Monasterio. I'm glad you brought up the Donaldson signing. That's a that's a good mention of that for him to pick up his his play when they when they did that. I don't think you know who you're talking to, Taylor. You better you better watch your tone, bro. <laughs> All right, for my power pitcher, I went with Brandon Woodruff. Uh we'll We'll talk about his game that he pitched last night. Um, Mm -hmm. We only had the one appearance this week in those seven scoreless innings last night. But Brandon Woodruff has three straight quality starts. Uh, In those three starts, he has a 142 ERA. Now, since 2018, Brandon Woodruff in September and October has a 229 ERA. And in 122 innings pitched, he has 156 strikeouts pretty good. So I went with Brandon Woodruff for my power pitcher. He was talked to last night. Um, he said, the biggest games, I don't know, I just like pitching in them. Huh. That's I what mean, you want to hear from one of the horses in the bullpen. That, that guy sounds like a gamer. He does. Yeah, Steve was echoing your your um, your feelings on the uh, Andre Monasterio pick with the Donaldson move.
1: Same, same wavelength, Steve. I like it.
4: Um, for my power position player, I went with Mark Canna. He was two for three again today. Uh, his hit streak is up to six and he has hits in 10 of the last 11 games. Uh, he's been on base in every game that he's played since August 16th. That is 19 straight games that he's been on base. Yeah. Damn. Um, so over the last week he batted seven for 17. That's a four batting average. Um, three of his seven hits were for extra bases. He had two doubles and a home run. Uh, He also got hit by a pitch and drew two walks, so his on-base percentage was 500. He was on base 10 out of 20 times and only struck out four times in the last week. I mean, that's very solid. Um, Yeah, I'll definitely take that all day for a guy who's being paid to play for us by another team. Uh, And then for my underrated performer, I went with Carlos Santana, so I put both of the Brewers trade deadline guys in my power pair and underrated performer. Uh, Santana was five for 22 over the last six games in the last week, which is a little, it's a little bit of a slump, which is a little rough, but that's what makes him an underrated performer. Somebody just looks at his stats from the last week and says, Oh, he was five of 22. It's like a 240 batting average. He does have hits in 13 of the last 14 games. I
1: like So you.
4: he has been pretty solid lately. It's just cooled off a little bit since his hit streak ended. Yeah. But all in all, um, it's it's been a pretty solid like bounce back from the first ten games or so when Canna and Santana came to the Brewers and everybody was giving them a lot of heat and they've both rebounded to play very well and I think for uh, for what they've what they were like acquired for. hmm Okay, you ready to talk some baseball games?
1: I'm ready to talk some baseball games. Okay.
4: We're gonna do that right after this special announcement. Hey Little. So I should I probably should have led the show off with this, but I like that we, we get a little bit of people in here before we make this. Uh, Jake and I were invited to do a live show at a Wisco Collect event. Uh, the guys that run it is Mike and Eric. Honestly, some of their stuff that they're doing with their Wisco Collect events reminds me of how Jake and I are trying to run our show, trying to grow it and trying to get more people in front of it. And they mm-hmm. thought that we would be good uh, people to appear at their event at the end of October. So October 28th, that is the day the Badgers play Ohio state, by the way. Uh, they have an event from 10 to four. It is in Clintonville. Uh, Jake and I are going to be there. We're going to interview some vendors and we're going to do a live Wisconsin sports. What if show, uh, we have four Wisconsin sports related. What if questions planned, uh, that will, it will be live just like the regular shows, but we'll also be in person to see if, uh, some people want to walk by and give their inputs on it. But, um, Excited to work with the guys at Wisco Collect. Uh, They seem like really cool dudes. And they actually invited Jake and I to go to the Brewer game with them on Monday. So Jake and I will be at Monday's Marlins game, uh, just five rows behind the dugout. So very, very excited for that and and thankful to the guys at Wisco Collect. We're excited to, to be hanging out with them on Monday. They seem like cool dudes from the time that we've spent talking to them. So October 28th, mark your calendars. It's a bonus episode and it should be a good time.
1: Yeah, so we will be live Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday that week. Going to be and some good Bucks, stuff. And man.
4: the Bucks' first game is that Thursday.
1: Yeah. Oh my God! So what we're going, we going to we have, have
4: a Bucks primer that, like, probably that week. We could probably do it the day before, but eh. yeah, it's like you said, it's our Christmas. It's all the seasons coming together right now. <sighs> Gotta love it, dude. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> keeping us busy for sure. For sure. All right, so let's start with the first game of the Phillies series. When we get to the end of all of this week's games, I have a wild thing that I have to tell you about all the games this week. So
3: now I just I mean, want to power through. I mean,
4: if that's what you want to do, let's do it. But yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be shocked when I tell you what the deal was with this week's games. Uh oh, Oh, no, I'm ready now. I don't even want to do this anymore. I just want to hear that. You son of a
1: bitch. <laughs> I'm
4: trying to get yeah. you excited. Um,
1: God damn it. Well, let's start with this game. Freddie Peralta started this one. Uh, six innings pitch, two hits, one earned run, and ten strikeouts. I mean, what else do you expect uh, <clears throat> from the guy that was a, a pitcher of the month, right, in August? He was pretty yep. damn good in August, by the he way. Was amazing. If you didn't see his uh, total numbers and his averages, they were disgusting. Um, I can bring them up after this game. Yeah. Um, Hobie Milner, one inning pitch, zero hits, zero earned runs, zero walks and one k. That's what he does. Piamps gave up a home run in this one, but it's all right. It's gonna happen. Um, you know, in the moment, I get a little irritated myself, but then you know when you take a step back and you kind of evaluate things, you realize that it's gonna be all right, and he's been very good for us, very yep. consistent for us the entire year. Williams came in uh, in the eighth inning, pitched an inning and a third. So he came in in the eighth inning and pitched the ninth inning to lock this one down. But uh, Taylor got his 19th RBI. He's still been pretty good, in my opinion. He's not as hot, but he's still been pretty good. Still giving us- hitting the ball hard. Still- yeah, still hitting the ball hard. Still giving us some really quality defense. He just looks smooth when he gives us the sliding catches on right field, man. I can't help it. I, I love it. And Willie Adams with a, with a big-time home run, got up to 65 RBIs and hit his 22nd homer of the year. So that's my little little breakdown. We'll do the game review, and then I'll give you some Freddie Peralta August stats.
4: Before I go through the game, I want to answer Steve's question here. Steve asks, what does Monasterio have to do to be the guy in 2024? Um, we can go through a long answer, but my short answer is going to be perform in the playoffs. I would agree with that. Uh, if if he were to like make the playoff roster and struggle, then I think he'll be in the mix in 2024. But if he wants to lock down the job that he has now, uh, I think he'll have to to make some impact in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, not just defensively either cuz he has, you know, been very good lately, but he's going to mm-hmm. have to get some big time timely hits. His, yeah. I'm not looking for Monasterio to to crank a bunch of home runs or right or I'm not looking for him to be responsible for runners in scoring position, which everybody is. I understand that. But right. really, Monasterio, which this lineup has been very good at, by the way, just being annoying to the to the starters and kind of getting that pitch count up. And Monasterio yep. is that guy that comes up a lot with two outs, and he'll end up with a single. And all of a sudden, it's it's eight or nine more pitches in that inning for that starting pitcher, and yep. they get pulled early. So if that Monasterio – really Yeah, if he, if he can keep having an impact like that, Yep. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but dude, if he starts getting some RBIs along with that, he'll definitely
4: lock it down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, his his OPS in August was pretty rough. Uh, and that's what prompted the Brewers to sign Donaldson, and mm-hmm. now he's kind of bounced back. Um, and Taylor asked the question that kind of ties in next to it, which is he wants them to give Brian Anderson more opportunities, and Craig Council said they're going to put the best players on the field that give them the best chance to win. So. I don't know if it's a coach's decision to not play Brian Anderson or if there is still some lingering injury concerns uh, with Brian Anderson having had a bad uh, having a bad back this season and in the past that have cost him games. So it's I mean, Brian Anderson is a guy to, to keep an eye on, um, assuming the Brewers make the playoffs, which I'm I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say I think is going to happen. Uh, I don't know that Brian Anderson is a lock to make the roster. Um, Josh Donaldson was signed on the last day to be playoff roster eligible. So if Josh Donaldson starts raking in AAA, it would not shock me at all for Josh Donaldson to get the playoff spot over Brian Anderson. He's got more experience, and that was one of the reasons they brought him in.
1: Dude, honestly, very high-Q move, high-IQ move, you know, by Arnold to, to get Donaldson. Yeah. a guy who's struggling in New York, obviously, we, we understand all that. And yeah. a guy who's also a former MVP – a yep. lot of playoff experience. Yep. So you add those two things in there, and it's hard not to look at that and then look at what you have. And I'm not I'm not at all throwing shade at Monasterio. He's been tremendous for us. Brian Anderson had gold glove level defense before he yep. got injured. Um, but, I mean, if you can have a guy that can come up there with some power and just give you some more power, and like I said, yep. he, he played in some big-time moments, it's going to be hard-pressed to not put that on your roster, right? Yeah.
4: Yeah, I agree with you. Um that's a it's a full context thing really. And it's mm-hmm. and we love Brian Anderson. Like yeah. he's he's done some awesome things for the Brewers this year. It's just uh the health is kind of unfortunate and then just a little bit of underperformance from what you would expect from him from batting. Yeah, just a little bit higher right. average, honestly. Right. So yeah, it's not not anything like us dogging Brian Anderson by any means. It's just yeah. if there's guys that are performing better, they're gonna get the playing time. Yeah.
1: Can't let this pitching staff go to waste, man.
4: Yeah. All right. So uh, all credit to Kyle Schwarber. He put a good at-bat together in the top of the first inning of this game. On uh, eight-pitch at-bat, he caught a hanging uh, breaking ball from Freddie Peralta to hit a leadoff home run. Uh, mm-hmm. Freddie Peralta went one, two, three after that. In the bottom of the first inning, Carlos Santana put together a good at-bat. He had a 10-pitch at-bat, uh, got a single that extended his hit streak to 10. Uh, skipping up to the top of the third inning – uh, Freddie Peralta had six strikeouts through the first three innings of this game. Yes, sir. Uh, Freddie was dealing. Uh, um, top of the fourth inning, two more strikeouts. Bottom of the fourth inning, William Contreras led off with an infield single. Trey Turner made a nice play on it to keep it in the infield. Uh, that extended William Contreras' hit streak to 11. Santana got his second hit, a single. Sal Freelich hit a rocket to center field that was caught, and then Willie Adamas gets the little extra charge that Sal Freelich was missing to put the ball over the fence to make the game 3-1. to one. Um, that inning, so listen to the exit velocities from the Brewers in the bottom of the fourth. Not all of these were hit, some of them were out, some of them were lineouts. But William Contreras's single was 109. Carlos Santana's single was 97. Sal Freelix's flyout was 97. William Thomas's home run was 105. Rowdy <laughs> Telez's flyout was 92. And Mark Canna's single was 100. Jesus Christ! It was all in one inning. That's how hard the Brewers were hitting the ball against the Phillies in the first game. Wow! All in the fourth inning. Um, going to the top of the sixth, Freddie Peralta settled in very well after giving up the leadoff home run. Another one, two, three inning for him. He retired the final eleven batters that he faced.
1: Yes, sir. He was very good.
4: Um, going to the top of the eighth, Yoel pyams came in, gave up a leadoff walk and a pair of singles uh, that made the game three to two. Then got a strikeout and a flyout. He was done at 17 pitches. Devin Williams came in for a four-out save. Gave up a home run, which charged two more earned runs to Pi Amps. Um, that made the game 5-3. to three. Uh, Bottom of the eighth, Andre Monasterio let off with a single. Christian Yelichin hit into a fielder's choice. Um, William Contreras hit a single to right center field. Opposite field hit for him. Carlos Santana drew a walk. And then Tyrell and Taylor pinch hitting for Sal Freelich got down one two in the count drew three straight balls to draw a walk. the plate discipline from Tyrone Taylor is something that's been missing at times so it was very very good to see that from Tyrone Taylor in a clutch you know in a clutch moment uh, for him to be put in for Sal Frelick at a time like that a high pressure situation and for him to be down in the count one and two and to come back and draw a walk from that is great stuff from Tyrone Taylor. I agree. Um, that made the game five to four. Uh, the Phillies brought in a new pitcher, Willie Adamas struck out. And then Owen Miller pulled one to the third baseman. The ball got under his glove while he was trying to backhand it. All three runners scored, including Tyrone Taylor with, with one of the best slides of the season and produced one of the, probably the best photo of the season of William Contreras and the umpire doing the safe motion at the same time, at, fantastic picture. If you haven't seen it, it's on our Facebook page with William Contreras standing on home plate, saluting the sky with a shadow. Those two pictures, amazing pictures from the brewery season.
3: What
1: one do you think is better?
4: Man, I like them both so much and they both have William Contreras in them, which I think really just speaks to the season. Uh, Yeah, I'm
1: leaning and I don't want this to be recency bias because I don't think it is, but I'm really leaning towards the one with the ump, dude. That's, that seems get...
4: to be the prevailing opinion on the two pictures.
1: Both Ron, like, a... you know, like he, you know, you still got Tyrone sliding on the ground. I yeah. mean, you think about the moment that that happened. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty great picture. Honestly, it,
4: somebody said it on the on the post too. They were like, Contreras and the umpire are twins. And then you look at them like they're both obviously doing the safe motion. And the umpire's got his mask in his left hand and Contreras has a bat in his left hand. So they're both holding something in their left hand with their yeah. right hand out. It's that's a that's an amazing picture. Yeah, I think that tough, came dude. from the Associated Press. Credit to them. That's an amazing picture. Yeah, it is. That's tough. <laughs> um, so Tyrone Taylor scored on that error. Um, safe at home, made the game seven to five. Joey Weemer did draw a walk after that, but that was it for that inning. Uh Devin mm-hmm. Williams came back out for the ninth. Uh, got a strikeout, fly flyout, and a groundout to end the game. So Devin Williams actually gets a blown save and a win for this game. It's kind of a weird thing, but, I mean, I'm sure he'll take it. Uh, I mean,
1: the Brewers won.
4: So he the Brewers win. won, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> what's up, Tim? Um, so the Phillies, this is – the error costs them the game in this situation. The Phillies are 26th in Major League Baseball and defensive runs saved. Eek. Yeah. So Brewer's very good in that category. Phillies struggling it. Um, my opinion, I would have I would have given pyamps the benefit of the doubt in the eighth inning. I would have let Piams finish the eighth inning, and I know it's a really nitpicky thing, and like Craig Council has my full trust in any situation. Yeah. But just me personally, I would have let Piams finish the eighth. He was only at 17 pitches. Um let him try to get out of the jam that he was in. I agree with that. Uh, Carlos Santana was on base all three times that he was up. He had the walk and two singles. Philadelphia had six base runners. Five of them scored. Uh-huh. But Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, uh, Bryce Harper, and Nick Castellanos were two for 16 in this game. Ugh. So Santana, his hit streak got to 10. Contreras is to 11. Freddie Peralta, 15 straight appearances with five or more strikeouts that ended today. But talking about game one, uh, that streak led the led led Major League Baseball is now done. Uh, seven straight wins for Freddie Peralta back to back starts with seven swing and misses on change ups. Wow! So we talked about Freddie Peralta kind of forcing the change up in the first half of the season, second half of the season, it's been amazing. Yeah, um, this was Freddie Peralta's sixth double-digit strikeout game of 2023 in this game going back he had a 171 era in his last seven starts and then i just want to talk about william Contreras.
1: okay can Um, i can i get my my freddie stats real quick i'm still i'm
4: still on the same oh yeah i guess yeah do freddie i was just talking about freddie talk about freddie
1: Okay, uh, just to kind of keep it all in on one thing here, but yep. uh his stats for the month of August, where he won NL Pitcher of the Month, he was he had a five 0 record, a two ten ERA, he had thirteen point eight K per nine, which is disgusting, Nuts. and a zero point nine zero WHIP. Damn! <laughs> Imagine a whole season of that dude.
4: Oh. you just like hand him the Cy Young. For real, dude. So yeah, hey, cool um, yeah, he's he's been amazing. And even today, not bad. No. Um two things I want to say about William Contreras before we talk about game two. One, he is the first player since Christian Yelich in twenty eighteen to have three double digit hit streaks in the same season. Holy shit. And the other thing, he just looks like he's having a great fucking time being a brewer.
1: He does, dude. I
4: can't like, I like he doesn't post on social media a lot, but just watching him play, watching him interact with his teammates and things like that. Like, William Contreras just looks like he's happy to be here, and I fucking love that from him. So, yeah. I wanted to call that out and appreciate
1: it. I uh, I told Chantel if I ever got another Brewers jersey, it would have to be Contreras, dude. Like, he's a stud. You a don't swag. want a
4: really Peralta jersey? What's that? I said you don't want a Willie Peralta jersey?
1: No, no. No, no, <laughs> Willie Peralta jerseys.
4: <laughs> yeah, Contreras, he like—he just looks like he's having a great time being here. Yeah, I agree. All right,
1: what's up to you from game two? Well, we found out who the pitcher was because it was a mystery last Wednesday when we were talking about it, and it was yeah. Colin Ray. And I actually like that decision. Um, they only let him sense. go four and a third. I thought he could have went a little bit longer, but uh, four and a third, three innings pitched, uh, two two earned runs, zero walks, and six Ks. This game was on FS1, by the way. So yep. the state of Wisconsin owned FS1 for about six hours. Uh, so that was tremendous. Uh, chafing, <laughs> I'm going to call him chafing forever now. <laughs> chafing had an inning pitch, two hits, zero earned runs, and a K. Uh Mc uh Trevor McGill. Uh he's been he had an earned run, but dude, he's been striking everybody out. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. So inning <laughs> in two thirds, he had five K's, uh, one walk and an earned run. Uh Holby Milner faced his one guy. Like uh they use him like that every once in a while. And then council will throw him out there and be like, throw two innings for us. And I'm just like, whatever, I'll take any Holby Milner I can get because I love that guy.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, Elvis Figueroa only two hits in his two thirds of an inning pitch. and Devin Williams was uh, g- gave up a run but uh, one walk, one K. But he was Devin Williams. Love love Devin Williams. He would be a jersey I would get to if if we could re sign him to a long term deal. Um, RBI's in this one was Santana with two. He's up to seventy now. Yelly sixty nine, nice. Canna nice. <laughs> forty five. Taylor up to twenty, and Terran got two of them. He's up to 31 now. Santana had a home run in this game, obviously. Yelly, Canna, Taylor, and Terang all had two out RBIs. And runners in scoring position, the Brewers were 5 for 8. Nice. No secret why they won this game, right? That's amazing.
4: That's not Mm -hmm. even nice. That's amazing. 5 of 8. That's that's rock star level. I agree. That's that's (laughs) nuts. 5 of 8, dude. (laughs) Yeah. So, again, same thing as the day before. Schwarber got ahead in the count, and then back-to-back days, let off the game with a home run. Um, Trey Turner followed out with a first-pitch single, stole second. But uh, Colin Ray got Bryce Harper to pop up, struck out Castellanos, and then almost – William Contreras almost caught Trey Turner at third base. uh, But then Ray got a fly-out to end the inning. Into the top of the second. The Phillies went s- strikeout looking, solo home run, fly out, strikeout. So pretty clean inning from, from Colin Ray there. Uh mm-hmm. bottom of the second, Mark Canna with a one out ground rule double. Bryce Durang followed with a single to left center. So an opposite field for Bryce Durang. If Bryce Durang can find some opposite field like ability, that would be huge for him. That would
1: he would become a very good baseball player.
4: Yeah. Um so he followed up with a single to left center and make the game two to one. Uh, with two outs, Bryce Tarang stole second base and then Tyrone Taylor on a two two pitch rips a double over Schwarber's head, made the game two to two. Uh, Christian Yelich on a three two count slaps a single to left. Uh, Tyrone Taylor scores and made the game three to two. That's Christian Yelich's 69th RBI that you brought up. Uh, Christian Yelich right. got the second base on the throw and that was it. Uh, top of the third, a one-two-three inning for Colin Ray with two strikeouts. Um, Ray had twelve swing and misses through three innings. Damn! So he's got strikeout stuff. He's got the capability for it. That's why I don't understand why um, they
3: didn't
1: let him go a little longer. But whatever.
4: I I agree with pulling him when they did. Just I mean, you don't want to have to like try to force him to go through the third innings. Yeah, like, pretty much any time Cole has pulled a starter this year, I've been like okay with it. Because yeah, I'd rather have you pull him a half an inning early than half an inning too late.
1: Yeah. We see what yeah. happens when the, the the Facebook comments go crazy.
4: Foreshadowing on that, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so top of the fourth, one, two, three inning for Colin Ray again, including his sixth strikeout of the game. Bottom of the fourth, Mark Hanna had a good at-bat start at the fourth inning, an eight-pitch leadoff walk. Uh, Bryce Durang should have walked two, but was called out on strike three. Uh, Andre Monasterio followed with a single up the middle, and then Tyrone Taylor grounded into a double play, which would have produced a run if Bryce Durang hadn't gotten called out on a bad pitch. But top of the fifth, Colin Ray gets the first out. Sal Freelich made a jumping catch on on a deep liner, and then Chafin came in uh, with three straight lefties coming up to bat. That's why I think Colin Ray was pulled. I agree. With a with bunch that. of lefties coming up. Yep. Um, so Chafin got a ground out and a strikeout on the fifth. Bottom of the fifth, William Contreras had a one-out double down the left field line, uh, extended his hitting streak to 12. Santana followed his by extending his hitting streak with a home run to the Toyota territory. Uh, John Smoltz talked about this with Carlos Santana, about seeing everything a pitcher has and how that can benefit you. So when we talk about the Brewers seeing tons of pitches and going deep into at-bats, they're essentially getting to see as many pitches as the pitcher is going to throw to you. And you're getting to try to see basically all of his arsenal in one at bat. Yep. Arm speed, arm angle, spinning right. the ball. Right. The release point too, is one of those things where like sometimes guys have higher or lower release points with different pitches. Yep. That's what can help guys identify pitches at the plate. So I am actually glad he brought that up. So I had to put that in my notes. Um, Carlos Santana proved him right. On a 3-2 count, that made the game 5-2 Brewers. Um, right after that, Willie Adamas worked a four-pitch walk with two outs, and Aaron Nola was done after Mark Canna put a double in the right-center gap. That made the game 6-2. Nice. Bryce Durang followed with a single, scored Canna. That made the game 7-2. And then a ball filed into left field in front of Schwarber. Andre Monasterio gets credit for a single, kind of a no-man's-land situation. Um (coughs) Bryce Duran got to third and they ended up stranded there first and third. Uh top of sixth. Chaffin gets the first out. Um Schwarber popped up and then Trevor McGill came in. Uh Trey Turner puts one on the first pitch right into the beer pen. Made the game seven to three, but then followed with two strikeouts against Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos.
1: Hell yeah.
4: So, I mean, for Trevor McGill to come in, and like I talked about this during the Padres series, about like one, two, three batters to face in a row, any combination of the first four batters in the Phillies order is among those.
1: Yeah, Trey Turner is really good. Bryce Harper, obviously, stud. Castiano, he can get hot, man. He's got power, opposite field power, Yeah, big, big strong guy.
4: Yeah, and Schwarber as their leadoff hitter, so – if Any combination of those, batting
1: one eighty, I would agree with you. But that guy just cranks homers. He's, dude. I
4: was gonna say he's still got like thirty five homers. He got thirty nine. Okay, even better for him. Yeah, that batting average sucks, but I mean, you basically not, know if he's getting a hit, it's going over the fence, I guess. He's not even good on defense,
1: dude. He has like a fucking paper thin vertical. Yeah. But the guy just hits home runs. That's all I want Rowdy to do. Like Rowdy, you can be average on defense. You can
4: bat your two twenty. Just give me some home runs. It's all Big I dingers. Want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, back of the, uh, the top of the seventh, Trevor McGill came back out. The seventh inning went strikeout, double, strikeout, walk, strikeout. So, Trevor McGill, like you said, he pitched an inning in two thirds. All five of the outs that he recorded were all strikeouts. I know. not It's <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> um, Holby Miller pitched the top of the eighth, gives up a walk to Schwarber. It's a fielder's choice from Turner. Bryce Harper reached on an error, which made runners at second and third. Elvis Peguero came in. Um, Philly's got a sack fly. Made the game 7-4. And then Bryce Turner made a nice play on a grounder to end the eighth. <coughs> Bottom of the eighth, Andre Monasterio got his third hit of the game, so good for him. Top of the ninth, Devin Williams comes in, uh, gets a fly out. Real Mudo hits a single, gives up a walk, gets a ground out. and then. Kyle Schwarber hits a 106-mile-an-hour ground ball at Bryce Durang. That's that's a hard ball to handle, coming that hot off the bat. Uh, he knocked it down. That did save a second run from scoring. Uh, mm-hmm. Made the game 7-5, to five, and then Bryce – Bryce, not Bryce. Devin Williams versus Trey Turner gets to a 3-2 count. Devin Williams strikes him out. That was just a really exciting baseball at bat to watch.
1: A day after Trey Turner hit a home run off him, by the way, and he talked about that. Yep. The following day when we were on Peacock, he got interviewed. And Pitching Ninja was on there as well. So Yeah, that was cool. Pitching Ninja was talking about Devin Williams' changeup, saying that he he thinks that he has the best changeup in baseball history. Ooh. Yeah. He had a Mm. numero uno.
4: Damn, that's interesting.
1: He had, like, Pedro Martinez on there. Else was on Trevor Hoffman was on there. He had a good changeup. He was number two, I think. Another hmm. former brewer there. But yeah, there was there was five guys. There was two people tied at fifth. I remember that. But yeah, he said Devin Williams has the best changeup in baseball history. Hmm.
3: That's interesting.
4: I'll take that all day. I love that. <laughs> um, so Colin Ray pitched four and a third innings, got six strikeouts, gave up two runs, three hits, no walks, 14 whiffs. That's pretty damn good um, from a guy out of nowhere. That's a very solid, serviceable start. I agree. Um, Chafin bounced back. Seven of the nine starters had at least one hit. Eight of the nine starters were on base. Um, Contreras and Santana extended their hitting streaks. Um, Brewers made Aaron Nola work. Aaron Nola <laughs> only got through four and two-thirds innings and gave up seven earned runs. The Brewers had scored five runs total in their last four matchups against Aaron Nola.
1: Yeah, I was a little worried about Nola and Zach Wheeler to be honest with you. Yeah,
4: they they needed to rock him. That's that's really good for them. Uh that was their eighth straight win at home, averaging over seven runs a game in those eight wins. And then this also gave the Brewers a series win over the Phillies. So if for some reason the Brewers were to end up in the wild card race, they do have a tiebreaker over the Phillies, which does benefit them a little bit. Good. Um also in those eight games, those eight home games that straight that they won straight, Mm -hmm. Uh, the Brewers batted around in five innings during those eight games. So that's it. All right, let's go to game three.
1: So Wayne Miley started this one, and he was absolutely dominating them until he hit a wall, like quite quite literally hit a wall. Um, Still gave a six and a third. Uh, this is the ninth time this season that Wade Miley has gone at least six innings. So it's good Good that he's eating innings for us. Uh, four hits, four earned runs, three walks, and four strikeouts. Like I said, he was dominating. Uh, this is just the, the, to- the total stats. Uh, Uribe gave us two-thirds of an inning. He came in for Miley. Uh, gave up one hit, one walk, uh, zero earned runs, and had a strikeout as well. Uh, Chafin. One inning pitched, one walk, zero earned ru- zero runs, zero Ks. So he did his job. And uh, Bryce Wilson, the Mister Underrated this year, in my opinion. Uh, one inning pitch, one hit, no earned runs, a walk and a strikeout. I mean, the guy is pretty damn solid. He'll he'll have a he'll have a bad outing every once in a while, but for the most part, he's been pretty damn good. Um, Contreras and Canna had the RBIs in this one. They both had home runs uh canna's just just got over the wall mm-hmm. and i want to talk about the the peacock uh <laughs> showing because everybody was crying about it first of all i thought that was hilarious It's like dude cost six bucks like you're really that cheap but anyways like you'll you'll go you'll go out to eat with your your freaking husband or wife and you'll spend sixty dollars no problem but you won't spend six bucks like Come on, man. <laughs> you spend, spend $12 to park, you know, at the you know admission parking, but whatever. All right. But anyways, I love that the umpire had a little camera on top of his his helmet. And you got uh, the view of the batter box when the pitch was coming. If the
4: umpire would stand fucking still, I would like that. I felt like I was going to get motion sickness watching that <laughs> view. I'm just like, I feel like I'm on a fucking boat in the middle of the ocean right now.
1: <laughs> i thought it was pretty sweet um and then i like that they had one guy from the phillies and one guy from the brewers we have bill schroeder representing us i yep. thought that was pretty cool man Yeah, that was cool
4: i like that aspect of
1: it you get you get like both sides plus they yep. work well off each other i think multiple um,
3: perspectives
1: yeah they're kind of giving credit to you know Other obviously they're going to be more knowledgeable about, about their own team but right you well know, they're giving credit to, to each other's team too so i thought that was pretty fucking awesome I do um, like that. That was my main takeaway, really. I mean, I know the Brewers lost, but I thought the Peacock uh, showing was was very good. And Peacock's going to get some football games coming up here, so yeah. if if Peacock can can start, you know, showing some good games, having some good broadcasts, I think that'd be pretty sick, actually.
4: Yeah, it's it's exciting, and with the way that Amazon is doing some of their stuff, it's exciting. As somebody who has a Wisconsin sports show. That yeah. they're looking to integrate who fans want to hear from, uh, mm-hmm. as you know, as the as sports media continues to evolve. So I will say that it is cool, and it and it gives hope for us to potentially get even bigger than we hope to.
1: Dude, if Amazon does all that stuff like that video that we saw, oh baby, I tell oh, you, that'd me be so cool! Thursday Night
4: Football would officially be back. That'd be amazing. <laughs> that'd be so cool. If it was something that we could do, just throwing that out there. Uh, that was Amazon, amazing. if you're watching, hit us up. Yeah, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so bottom of the first inning, William Contreras had a one-out solo shot, made the game one to zero, extended his hitting streak to thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brewers did get a pair of one or of two-out base runners, uh, and that was it for the first inning. Uh, top of the second. Wade Miley got a second one, two, three inning, capped by a Tyron Taylor sliding catch, which you said you like to bring up. Uh, Wade Miley had 21 pitches. Uh, that was fewer pitches through two innings than Suarez, the Phillies starter, had through one. He had 26. Yikes. So Wade Miley, very efficient. Uh, yes. Top of the third inning, a one out walk is the first base runner, and he was instantly picked off before Wade Miley even threw another pitch. Uh, so it was kind of a one, two, three inning for Wade Miley. Uh, bottom of the third, that's the home run that you mentioned with Marcana, a solo shot that snuck over the wall and made the game 2-0. to zero. Mm-hmm. Um, Santana followed with an infield single that extended his hit streak to 12. Two walks followed, and then the Brewers stranded the bases loaded. Uh, top of the fourth, another 1-2-3 clean inning for Wade Miley. He was at 46 pitches through four. Um, the Brewers went 1-2-3 in the bottom of the fourth. That was the first time of the game that they went 1-2-3. Top of the fifth, a 2 out hit by pitch was only the second base runner of the game, and then a hot grounder ended that inning, still with zero hits through five innings. Now, top of the sixth, a 2 out walk and a single was the first hit, followed by a double was the first run of the game, Um, a ground out to end that inning. This is where I think Wade Miley should have been done. If Wade Miley pitches six innings and gives up one earned run, you turn the ball over to the to the law firm of Paguero, Payams and Williams, and you say, "Thank you, Wade Miley, for giving us six runs or six innings of one run ball." I agree with that. Um, and and I understand with Craig Council trying to like lengthen the leash because guys like that, do, you know, have earned it. But this is where I like it. It seems like a change in like a change in philosophy, kind of going against the philosophy of. Council usually pulling guys a little bit early instead of a little bit late. Yeah.
3: He tries to be
1: a little bit too player friendly sometimes, I think. Like I'm sure they had conversation, but you know, you're you're the he's gotta be the manager in that situation and be like, listen, man, you gave us more important. It was a great outing. Like, yeah, save your arm for the
4: next one. Like, yeah, rest up, let's go get this one. Yeah. So Miley was only at 74 pitches. That's why he came out back out for the Mm -hmm. seventh. Um, Boehm got ahead two to one, hit a solo leadoff shot that tied the game at two. Um, Real Mudo on a one nothing count. Uh, Miley threw a cutter basically down the middle, and Real Mudo put it over the fence, made the game three to two. Miley nice. followed with a three pitch strikeout and a six pitch walk, and he was done at six and a third. Abner yeah. came in, got a fielder's choice. Gave up a walk and then a single by Trey Turner made the game four to two. Andrew or not Andrew. Wade Miley got charged that earned run. I don't know why Miley was charged with a fourth earned run. Um, the run that scored was the uh, fielder's choice that Abner Uribe gave up. So it should have been three earned runs for Miley and one for Uribe. But it is what it is. I remember you saying that. That's why I said the four earned runs. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's weird. I don't get it, but whatever. Um, oh. Top of the seventh or bottom of the seventh, sorry. Owen Miller and Mark Canna both had walks to start the seventh. William Contreras hits a three hundred and ninety-three foot, one hundred and two mile an hour exit velocity flyout.
1: God, I was so pissed. I was like, "Come
4: on!" Yeah. Uh, Owen Miller did tag to get to third base. Santana struck out. Mark Canna took second, and then William Adams pops that pops up to end the threat of the seventh. Uh, you mentioned Chafin. Gave up a two-out walk, but a good appearance for him other than that. And then top of the ninth, Bryce Wilson gave up a leadoff double. The Phillies tried to bunt him over, but then went walk, fly out, strike out. So trying to play for one run just did not benefit them. Uh, and then bottom of the ninth, a one-out single by Canna was the only noise. Mark Canna was two for four as the leadoff hitter and also drew a walk. Uh, Caratini did have two hits. I do want to give credit to Andrew Chafin and Bryce Wilson for making decent appearances. Contreras and Santana extended their hitting streaks, but the Brewers left 10 on base and were 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. Yeah. Yeah. So, Philly series, I'll take 2 out of 3 from a team that's going to be a playoff team and a good offensive team. I will take 2 of 3 from the Phillies. I will as well. Uh, Home cooking is always a good thing as well. So For sure. Brewers only have two road trips left this season, and they're on one of them right now. Yep. So the Brewers play a lot of home games the rest of the season. That's good because they're real good at home lately. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Monday's game. Oh, Monday's game was
1: so annoying. Yeah, it was weird. Um so Burns started that one. Six innings pitch, seven hits, four and runs, no walks for the entire pitching staff. So good job, boys. Uh seven Ks. Uh Milner, one inning pitch, one hit, two K's no earned runs and Bryce Wilson won any pitch one hit zero earned runs and 1k um Caratini had got an RBI up to 20 he also got his third double of the season and Terang got his 32nd RBI of the season the Brewers are one for six in running runners in scoring position in this one so they didn't get much better um just couldn't get the big hits uh they've been And obviously I'm foreshadowing right here too. But when they get those big innings, it seems to kind of put a jolt of like, you know, electricity and confidence and all that stuff. And they just, they had opportunities in this one, in my opinion, to get some big innings, but they just, they couldn't capitalize.
4: I get that William Contreras has been amazing for the Brewers, but the Brewers don't feel like they're a superstar and a bunch of guys. The Brewers truly feel like everything they do goes as a team. Like as one goes, everybody goes, as everybody goes, the one goes. Like they're all just really cohesive, which makes them an amazing team to watch sometimes, but it also makes them like a really big struggle, which is I think what ultimately like irks fans yeah. a lot. Yeah. But it's gonna it's gonna make for exciting baseball through the rest of September and October.
1: Well I'll tell you what <laughs> if you don't like this Brewers team, do not start watching on Sunday. Because that is exactly what you're going to get this entire year. Yeah. I'm not listening to any other opinions. We could have six wins. We could have 11 wins. We could have nine wins. Either fucking
4: way, it's going like this. I promise. I truly believe there are scenarios that lead the the Packers to winning three games. And there are pathways for the Packers to win like 12.
1: I 100% I truly agree. believe
4: that that nine-win fluctuation is all within the realm of possibility. Uh, I agree.
1: Agreed. It, it, first of all, uh, quarterback play is a big question mark, right? Yep. Not to get too much into the Packers, but because uh, we're going to have some really awesome stuff on Friday. But yep. you know, quarterback play is a big one um, on both sides of the ball. Me and you have had this conversation plenty of times with the quarterbacks that we start the season out with, and you know, looking at that, looking at the talent that we have on defense. And if Jordan Love is anything right, like there's some gross in a bad way, Aaron Rodgers stats, and not the dog in Aaron Rodgers still love, still love Rodgers. Uh, obviously not this season as much as seasons past, but sixty-five percent. Yeah, just give me sixty-five percent. But you know, if if Jordan Love can improve on some numbers and be equal in other numbers, absolutely
4: no way that we don't win at least ten. I'm not even fucking kidding when I say that. <laughs> honestly the the main parallels with the Packers t- as to the Brewers to get back with the Brewers is there's so much youth yeah that's so much thing. youth on both of these teams so speaking yeah. of the youth on the Brewers South Freelick led off the top of the second inning with a leadoff walk Willie Adamas worked a four-pitch walk Mark Cannon got hit by a pitch and the Brewers had bases loaded with nobody out. uh Victor Caratini and Bryce Bryce Durang hit sacrifice flies that made the game two to zero and Mm -hmm. Andrew Monasterio had an infield single and that was it for the top of the second bottom of the second a strikeout strikeout and then a double off of Sal Freelich's glove in deep right field it actually hit him in like the heel of his glove so Mm -hmm. the fact that Sal Freelick was even there to have a play on that ball is nuts um but then a, a third strikeout for Burns in the inning Two on the cutter, one on the curveball. Top of the third, Sal Freelich had a two-out single. Willie Adamas drew a walk, but the Brewers didn't get any runs. Um, in the bottom of the third, a <clears throat> uh, single and a bad throw trying to catch the runner allowed the leadoff runner to get to second base. Wild pitch allowed the runner to get to third. But then Corbin Burns went ground out, a strikeout on a slider, and a strikeout on a curveball. So a really good bounce back from Corbin Burns on that. Uh, bottom of the fourth inning, Andrew McCutcheon led off with a double. A sack fly followed, and then a uh, two-run home run made the game 2-2. Two two. A new game. Burns finished the inning with a strike on the ground out. Bottom of the fifth, great one-out play by Willie Adamas, ranging in the second-base shortstop hole and throwing across his body. That's a great play by Woody, by Willie Adamas. Um, a 3-2 count on Key Brian Hayes, who is a very good hitter and is also on a very, very hot streak right now. Yes. Um, hit a home run, made the game 3-2. to That was his first career hit against Corbin Burns. Holy shit. He was over 15 before that. And then he just cranks a home and run. And then he hits a dinger on a 3-2 count. <laughs> um, Reynolds got down 0-2. The next batter got down 0-2, hit a double. And then he had uh, Andrew McCutcheon down 0-2 and then followed with a ball and two foul, two foul balls, and then he hit a double, made the game 4-2, to and Burns was up to 91 pitches. He was looking pretty good shape coming into that inning. Uh, but a two-out rally by the Pirates uh, kind of knocked him out a little early.
3: <coughs>
4: In the top of the seventh inning, Christian Yelich had a two-out walk. William Contreras' single extended his hit streak to 14. Uh, Santana got up 3-0 and struck out. That's, that's a tough spot to be.
3: Yeah, um, really sure. The
4: Brewers scored first, had seven base runners from the third to the ninth inning and scored no runs. They had inning-ending double plays in the fourth and sixth inning and went one, two, three, four times from the fifth to the ninth. Fucking gross. Um, Corbin Burns had seven strikeouts, four on the cutter, two on the curveball, one on the slider. Um... <coughs> uh, Corbin Burns has the third highest whiff rate on curveballs in Major League Baseball. Bro, his curveball is dominant now. Not a stat that I would have expected to see. Bro. From Corbin Burns. I mean um, Burns did not get the outside strike that Pittsburgh was getting, which was, was annoying the hell out of me during this game. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of pitches just right outside the strike zone, and Burns was not getting the outside.
1: Well, apparently, if you watch today's game, they could
4: throw it. Oh my god, seasons. we'll get there, but I'm still super fucking <laughs> annoyed. Um, and then Contreras' streak continued, and Santana's streak ended. So we can go to game two.
1: Game two, I know you're gonna have some good Woody stuff. So I'll leave Woody stats for you, buddy. Uh, Chafin was very good in this one as well. Uh, one inning pitch, one hit, zero earned runs, zero walks. Uh, Clayton Andrews. Just uh, roughed up again. It is what it is. Um, he gave up 300 runs and five pitches, and Paguero came in, gave up two hits, but, you know, blocking this one down. Santana, Yelly, Canna, Monasterio, and Terang, all with RBIs. So, like you said, uh, that this next game literally proves what you said to be true, to be a fact. Uh, as one goes, everybody goes. I will say, this is not like a hot take, but – in the last 23 games of the season, the Brewers need Yelly to get hot again. He's been kind of dipping down in the average lately. And uh, also in this one, Frelick and Monasterio got their first career triples. So love that for both of them. Uh, Frelick also added a double because, you know, why wouldn't he? And then Santana <laughs> got his 29th double of the season. So the offense was, uh,
4: was out. They broke the bats out in this one last night. Which is interesting because they went one, two, three in the first, second, and third. And then they're just like, you know what? We should hit the ball. Hey, yeah, let's do that. So, <laughs> bottom of the first inning, a leadoff single was wiped out by a challenge at second base. Um, just a good job by Craig Council calling that challenge.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Going to skipping ahead to the top of the fourth inning, Christian Yelich had a leadoff walk. A pass ball got him to second base. William Contreras drew a walk. Canna grounded into a double play, but the run scored, made the game one to nothing. Um, The top of the fifth inning, uh, Sal Freelich led off with a walk. Andre Monasterio hit the ball to the perfect part of PNC Park for a triple. Yep. Uh, Made the game two to nothing. Bryce Durang followed the midfield single, made the game three to nothing. Uh, Tyrone Taylor fisted a single to right field. Bryce Durang scored. Uh, Bryce Rang, sorry, went first to third. <clears throat> and then Christian Yellow tried to sack fly to the warning track. It was a really good hit by him. Um, 100 miles an hour off the bat. Made the game four to nothing. William Contreras drew another walk. And then a new pitcher came in. And Carlos Santana hit a moonshot into the lights, which turned into a double off the wall made the game five to zero. Can, Canna followed with a single. Uh, kind of a bobbled exchange. Both runners scored, made the game seven to zero. Bottom of the fifth, Christian Yelich made a nice catch, sliding catch in the no man's land area, uh, kind of by the left field line, but in the area where the shortstop, third baseman, and left fielder were all in place to kind of have a play on it. Mm-hmm. Um, a one out single broke a streak of nine consecutive batters retired by Woodruff. And then Christian Yelich made a nice ranging catch to deep left field to finish the, or sorry, that was the second out of the fifth inning. And then Brandon Woodruff got his third strikeout of the game to end the fifth. Top of the sixth. First pitch, Sal Freelich leads off with a double to left center. He was stranded. Um, bottom of the seventh, one, two, three inning. Strike or ground out, strike and then strikeout for Brandon Woodruff. Uh, top of the eighth, Sal Freelich had a two-out triple off the top of the wall on center field. He was stranded again. And then bottom of the ninth, Clayton Andrews gives up a single. A single to Reynolds and Hayes, that's two really good batters, and then a three-run home run before an out was recorded. Made the game 7-3. to three. Uh, Elvis Bogaro came in, gets two outs, gives up two singles, and then gets a fielder's choice to end the game. Um, Brandon Woodruff, seven innings pitched, his longest outing of 2023. Two hits, two walks, six strikeouts, zero earned runs. No runners reached second base against him. Oh, shit. One of them touched second base, but then he untouched second base and was called out. So. <laughs> <clears throat> um Bruce had four extra base hits, two of them were by Sal Freelick. Uh all six of Brandon Woodruff's strikeouts were on fastballs. Uh opponents are batting 0-94 against Brandon Woodruff's change up. His change up curveball or change up fastball combination last night was just nasty.
1: Dude, he's been filthy with it since he came back. Honestly.
4: Nasty. Yeah. Um, they put this stat on the screen during the game, and I'm like, dang it, I had that one written down, and they posted it on the screen. Brandon Woodruff first pitch strikes, 18 of 24 batters. Damn, son. Um. And he didn't get his first strikeout until the fourth inning. Wow. Uh, the Brewers were 3 for 9 with runners in scoring position. That's a 333 batting average. I will take that. Contreras' streak ended at 14, and the Brewers got their 2,000th win in the National League. Hey, I like yeah. it. So going into today's game, what's up to you from today's game besides the final pitch?
1: um, Yeah, for real. Um, I just want to give a shout out. I do like Key Ryan Hayes. I like him a lot. He's a good young player. Very slick glove at third Solid base. Player, yeah. um, and before I continue this, it made me think of something I wanted to bring up earlier. Santana has to trust Terang behind
4: him. Yeah, if he had been running the it. whole season, I think he would. Yeah. But, yeah, he's – or if they could figure out a way to communicate it, like if Terang could be, like, shouting, I got it, I got it, or something, like if they yeah, could figure something out communication that way.
1: There's been a few last – two of them, at least, the last uh, week where Terang would have been there pretty easily, would have been an yeah. out. And you uh,
4: also have to make sure that the pitcher is covering in that instance, and then it's still, like, a foot race between the pitcher and the batter to get to the base. Right,
1: right. So, if Santana just trusts that Terang's going to get there, he can be there to cover. You know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, other than that, um, Peralta, five and a third, four hits, three earned runs, and a walk, had four Ks. So, like you said, ended his streak. Yeah. Trevor McGill, two thirds of an inning pitch, one hit, two Ks. Piguero is the guy today that uh, gave up some runs late. Uh, two thirds of an inning, two hits, two earned runs, one walk, one K. Walks kill you, man. That's all I'm going to say, even yeah. though it was only one. But they 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 always end up killing you, especially in games like today where the offense just didn't seem to have it. Uh, Uribe, one inning pitch, three Ks. Uh, Adamus got this party started pretty early. First inning, two outs. He decided to crank a three-run homer. So while I was at work and I checked the score, I was like, oh, hell yeah, baby. Brewers are going to take this series. We're going to move on to the, the New York Yankees. But – not what happened, obviously. He's up to 68 RBIs now, 23 home runs. <clears throat> Anna also got his 48th RBI of the season. Uh, Brewers were two for nine at runners in scoring position. Uh, sh- before I forget, Yelly got his 31st double, so he's still kind of on track to get to 40 doubles. i could see nine doubles
4: in 23 games. That's doable.
1: If he gets on fire and can <clears throat> two in one game or whatever, I think he could do it. Definitely, especially with his the way he runs the bases, he's perfect at it.
4: True, I mean, perfect. he had a hustle double today,
1: yeah. So, So, so top
4: hope. of the first, Christian Yelich and William Contreras started the game with walks, <clears throat> a fly out by Santana. Both runners advanced on the throw. Um, Sal and William Adamas both got down 0-2. Sal struck mm-hmm. out, Domus hit a slider out of the ballpark, made the game three to nothing. Um, Cantana drew a walk, Canna drew a walk, uh, got to second, was stranded there. Uh, bottom of the first, Freddie Peralta, 10 pitches. The only thing that happened was a solo home run to Key Brian Hayes, made the game 3-1. mentioned that, that hustle double by Christian Yelich. Uh, mm-hmm. Both teams went 1-2-3 in the bottom of the second and top of the third. Bottom of the third, Pirates got a leadoff single, didn't advance. Uh, bottom of the fourth, a one out reach on error, didn't advance. Top of the fifth, William Contreras had a 2 out infield single, stole second base, he was stranded. Bottom of the fifth, a one, two, three inning for Freddie Peralta. He was at 75 pitches through three innings. So, all right, cool. Freddie Peralta was cruising, felt good about it. Uh, mm-hmm. With six, top of the sixth, Marcana had a two out single. Bryce Durang followed a walk. They were stranded. Bottom of the sixth is where Freddie Peralta got into some trouble. Uh, one out single and then a walk and then a double made the game three to two. And that was it for Freddie Peralta. Um, McGill came in, gave up a single, made the game three to three, and then got two strikeouts, basically a new game going into the top of the seventh. Um, Brewers went one, two, three, in the top of the
3: seventh.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Bottom of the seventh Elvis, came in with one out, gave up a a single that hit him on the foot. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then a triple that made the game four to three. Brian Reynolds was intentionally walked, um, Paguero struck out, Key Brian Hayes, and then Hobie Milner came in, gave up a single that made the game five to three and got a strikeout day in the inning. Top of the eighth, Sal Freelick had a one-out single. Adams followed with a single. Marcana followed with a single, made the game five to four. Bruce had runners at first and third. And Rowdy Fles came in to pinch hit and ground it into a double play. Yeah. That's that's tough. Yeah. Um, arguably the brightest spot of this game, Abner Uribe, eighth inning, gets a strikeout. Strikeout looking and then another strikeout.
1: That's what he does. Yes.
4: Uh top he, of the ninth. Really
1: good with his slider today, by the way. Yeah,
4: for sure. Um, top of the ninth, Andre Monasterio let off with a single. William Contreras with two outs is called out on a horrible pitch. Uh easily six inches outside. Just a really stupid way to end the game. Yeah. Now on this pitch, uh, it was the widest miss. On a called third strike, with the tying run on base, at bat, or on deck, this entire Major League Baseball season.
1: Yep, of course it happened to us.
4: Of course it did. Yeah. Um, the Brewers had two outrunners runners after the first inning three times. They also went one, two, three, three times.
3: Mm.
4: Uh, Freddie Peralta, the five, five and a third, four hits, four strikeouts, a walk, and three earned runs. He still hasn't allowed more than three earned runs since July 21st, but his pitch count was okay coming into the sixth inning. So it just felt like he was going to be able to go longer. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't think it was a bad outing by Freddie Peralta, but it just felt like it was a little short based on what it could have been based yep. on the fact that he was through five innings on 75 pitches. Like, I'm like, all right, we'll get at least six. Maybe we'll be able to get a seventh inning if he can get a quick inning, but really? uh, it just didn't happen. But he was and Vinny Rotino talked about this a ton during the broadcast today, is Freddie Peralta, his ability to throw his fastball and changeup, like four mile an hour differences. Like he can throw changeups anywhere between 88 and 92, and he can throw fastballs anywhere between 93 and 97. And it's not like a fatigue thing, it's like a control thing. Like he can control what speed he throws his fastballs. Like yeah, that's crazy. One or two mile an hour. Uh, that's
1: that's insane
4: that he can do that. It's weird and it works so well. Like he wins pitcher of the month. Like that's
3: <laughs> Yeah.
4: And it's weird because the opportunity is there for Corbin Burns to win July pitcher of the month, Freddie Peralta to win August pitcher of the month, and the way that Woodruff is going, he could win September's pitcher of the month.
1: We're gonna need one of them. And <laughs> they I'm, oh, yeah. I'm really hoping that Yelly can win, like, you know, player of the month. That would be disgusting.
4: Yeah. Or Contreras. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Brewers with an offense is scary.
1: Yeah. They're they're, they're,
3: <laughs> they're uh-huh. kind of scary.
4: Yeah. Abner Uribe, great work for him. He was working the corners and the edges beautifully for a guy whose only issue was control. Um, uh-huh. For him to be controlling. His, his pitches was, was actually really, really good to see. Yes. Now, here's the thing. Five out of the six games this week, the team that scored first lost.
1: You know what? I was going to say something about the Brewers getting the lead first.
3: <laughs>
1: it makes a lot of sense because the Phillies scored first, first two games. Yep. Brewers scored first in the third game. They lost. Yep. Brewers scored first, twice in the Pirates series, and lost. Ah! God damn it. You know what's starting to piss me off? They keep showing that goddamn come-from-behind thing, and we haven't had a goddamn come-from-behind win in, like, two goddamn weeks, it feels like. It's like, God damn it, will you stop showing that? You're jinxing us now at this point.
4: Yeah, I mean, we had two come-from-behind wins last week because we started down one nothing in both of the Phillies games that we won. So. That's fair. That's that technically counts. That's fair. Yeah. So that's where we're at with the Brewers. Now, here's the thing. And we had Vinny Rettino on with us just a couple weeks ago. And he said when we interviewed him that, and we, you know, he's not the only one to have said this, but the the Brewers aren't gonna run away with the NL Central. No. Even if the Brewers win five straight and the Cubs lose five straight. And the Brewers are up six and a half games; they're not just going away. I don't, you know, I don't foresee the Cubs losing five straight games, but I'm just saying, like, the rest of this season, like, nothing is guaranteed for the Brewers. Yep. Now, I agree with what Vinny Rettino said when he was on the show that there's going to there's something to be said for having a race towards the end of the season, whether it be a wild card or a pennant race. That you're essentially playing all of September as if they're playoff games, mm-hmm. whereas a team say like the Braves, who have a massive lead in their division, can kind of coast a little bit. It it kind of catches you a little bit, you know, relaxed when you get into the playoffs. Yeah. So by potentially having September being you know playoff atmosphere baseball games, it can kind of take some of the pressure that you would feel in a playoff game off a little bit. And you know, I'm what? not saying the pressure goes away, but I think you feel it less because you've been playing under pressure for a month already. Right.
1: <clears throat> I mean, the Brewers for a couple months, really. But uh, it, it makes it more exciting for the fans, too. You know, like we're gonna go to the game on Monday. That game's gonna be fucking sick, dude. Like we're gonna yeah. be so close. Like we're in the middle of a playoff race. Like, yep, the Marlins I mean, are trying to get into the wild card. Yeah, I love it. I love it, dude. It's going to be high intensity. That's going to be a playoff atmosphere, basically. Exactly.
4: And that's the thing. Like, there was a lot of whining on Facebook after today's game.
1: Shocker.
4: Yeah, shocker. Here's the thing. Would you want it to be easy? No. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Exactly. And I'm saying this vaguely for a reason. Because it's not just baseball that this applies to. Yep, Baseball is not the only thing where if it came easy, everybody would have championships. It's hard for a reason because everybody wants to win. Mm -hmm. So to, to try to have the thing where you get to have the trophy without having to work for it or without having to go through any adversity, it serves nobody any good. It wouldn't in sports, it wouldn't as fans, and it wouldn't in life. Agreed. The the adversity, and this is why so many people say to enjoy the journey, that's what makes it worth it. How often do we talk about the 2013 Bucks winning 15 games to making it feel like the championship just feels so amazing because we went through those hard times? Man, I, I talk about that all the time.
1: like Almost every day, it feels like, dude.
4: Now, how is it going to be when a month from now when the Brewers are starting their first round playoff series and it'll be like, hey, remember when we lost two out of three from the Pirates and everybody was freaking out? The Brewers lost two out of three from the Pirates in early September and then rattled off and won 18 of their last 23 games and now here they are as the second seed in the NL. Like, yeah, but what makes this shit worth it, is having to work for it.
1: But did you forget that our season ended in June? I did forget
4: that. Thank you for bringing that up. (laughs) You're welcome. It's... it. I just... Why would you want stuff to come easy? It doesn't make it feel as worth it. Making it... For it being hard and having adversity is what makes it worth it. Yeah. I agree. All right. So, the Brewers have only five games between now and next Wednesday because next Wednesday's game is an evening game, and that one will happen after our show. So... Mm -hmm three at the Yankees who are playing pretty good. And then two versus the Marlins Monday's game, which we will be in attendance for the Brewers are off tomorrow, but five games for the Brewers. I'm going to, I'm going to say we need four and one, like we need five and oh, which would obviously be helpful, but I'm going to say four and one. I do think the Brewers are capable of taking two out of three from the Yankees. Um, They showed it already, you know, by taking three of three from the Rangers, not long ago. And the Rangers are absolutely reeling since then oh yeah um and i'll say we'll take the first two from the marlins and that'll make the brewers four and one in their next five
1: i'm going to say five and oh also don't forget tomorrow we go against the 69 and 69 new york yankees and it is their first time being 69 and 69 since 1969 nice yeah, that's the trifecta 69 right there, baby. <laughs> I love it.
4: Triple 69. All right. Good for <laughs> them.
1: <laughs> five and zero. Oh. Five and zero. Oh. We'll be. We'll be very happy next. Next Wednesday.
4: I like it. I'm here for it.
1: We're gonna be five and zero, oh, but we're gonna get a Badger dub, Q and Mikey, and we're gonna get a Packer dub. Oh my God, dude. Mikey, what what's
2: going on, buddy? How are we doing? I love that stat, by the way. That definitely got, my, got a <laughs> smile on my face.
4: 69 69, baby. That's, that's awesome. All right. You guys ready to talk some Badger football?
2: I am. I, I'm
4: answer, he's always ready. <laughs> All right. So this season, instead of doing, we, we've previously done three stars and an underrated performer. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, We're going to try to do it kind of on brand with the rest of our our teams that Jake and I do um, with a power pair and underrated performer. So with the Badgers football season, we're going to have essentially nine guys that we're going to bring up a power pair from each of us, one on offense, one on defense. And then an underrated performer can be from anything. So, Mike, as our Badger guy, who is your offensive power pair player?
2: All right. I got to give first off, I got to give a quick shout out to I I was fortunate to go to the game this past Saturday. I got to give a shout out to that sold out crowd that was in attendance. Um, You know, I kind of mentioned it to you guys in the chat. The student section was probably about 80 to 85 percent full uh, from what I could gather at the start of kickoff, which is pretty impressive considering, you know, what they're going through right now to try to get like, all the students there on time Uh and everything. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, The crowd was great. They're definitely working through some things with like, they hired like a DJ of some sort in the stadium. So um, basically on like third or fourth downs, right? Instead of like listening to the crowd, like it, uh, like yelling, screaming or whatever, they were playing a DJ, like right before the snap, which was kind of weird. That's something that you might see on Twitter come up and it was, it's, it's been compla- – like, there has been complaints about that. So, I, if you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. But uh, like, like I'll get right into it. You know.
1: Complaints from, like, uh, like, our fans or, like, complaints from, like,
3: Buffalo? Yeah,
2: correct, our fans. So, instead cool. – think of it as, like, third down, right? You want the crowd to get, like, noisy for sure. Instead of, yeah. like, that going on, there was, like, a de- – there's music, like, blaring before instead. And you couldn't really hear, like, the crowd – itself cheer that much i guess is the best way to put it which it's something new it's something that they're trying and um i guess it's just i just want to throw that out there real quick in case you guys heard that but um no that's just something i want to throw out there Uh, but I'll, i'll get right into it so um men i i thought this was really really impressive this guy he's been kind of on i don't want to say the back burner of, um, of Braille in here but he's definitely you know once he first came into Wisconsin he was the starter and now he's you know he's kind of like that one two punch so, so to speak second guy in line but Ches Malusi was my offensive player of the game um, you know 13 carries hunt, a buck 57 with two touchdowns I did not realize this he did this in 20 snaps I that that caught me off guard at first I'm just like wow I was at that game and Wow, he did that in 20 snaps, which is crazy. Um Man. I would say, you know, the game is kind of like iffy going into the second half, but he was the one who definitely lit a spark under our offense and <laughs> ran for that 89-yard touchdown score. Yeah. Um yeah, pro fo- fo- pro football focus 81.8. That's impre- that's impressive in itself as well. And I guess to to go along with with you know, Chez's stats. Uh, this this offense clearly, in my view, caters to, to him, and I think you guys would agree. Jesse Temple pointed this out earlier this week that I think I should bring this up. So Buffalo's defense, what they were playing, like a six-man box, seven-man box, five, eight. 62% of the snaps were in a six-man box, which we're not accustomed to that, right? So... That that's incredible. And then a seven-man box, seventeen percent, and then the twenty-one percent left over was either like a five-man box or an eight-man box. But the sixty-two percent snap thing with six-man box that is very significant. That jumps out to us, I think, as Wisconsin fans, as it should, because we're we're used to a loaded box. So I wanted to throw that stat out there for you guys, especially for the games that you know Chez and uh, you know. Braylon had a good game too, so uh, just want to throw that out there. Jake's so, going to talk about the the other
4: one that you were. Yeah, you yeah, about. I,
2: I wanted to keep that quiet, but um, <laughs> making okay. plays in space, making plays in space is what we're all about uh, in this offense, and I think it's it definitely caters to Ches. No questions yeah. asked. Jake, who's your offensive power pair player?
1: Uh, Braylon Allen. I to set up
4: defense on that.
1: Yeah, Braylon yeah. Allen was uh, fantastic, and that was that was great, Mikey. Six man boxes, man. <clears throat> so you're basically a man and a man, you know, with the with the all line, and then you got one on one with Braylon Allen or Chess Belusi. I mm-hmm. will take that every goddamn Saturday. Bring Yeah, that that's that's fantastic stuff, and that's the reason we we're excited for Phil Longo. Because he's kind of got an NFL feel to him where he can kind of schematically mix some things up,
4: right? We're gonna we're gonna talk about Longo after the power pairs. So yeah, we'll have thoughts
1: on Longo. We can we can hold them. in the next okay. segment. Yeah, I I wanna get into it because people were like flipping out and it was we're going like, to. We're going to. So just, you just do on your walk. guy and he's then we'll talk about it. People were people were trying to run, couldn't walk because they couldn't read, but whatever. Um Back to Braylon Allen, he had 17 carries, 141 yards, two touchdowns, 8.3-yard average per touch on a rush, so that was fantastic. He caught seven passes, career high, 25 yards on those. I expect him to – if he has seven catches, he's going to have more than 25 yards <laughs> eventually. Awesome. Uh, that's a 3.6 <laughs> average. So, in total, he had 24 touches, 166 yards. That's a 6.9 average per touch. Nice. 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 <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, my offensive power pair player, I went with Will Pauling. Uh, he was targeted mm. five times, five receptions, 55 yards, a lot of fives. Uh, he hauled in everything and he took some pretty hard hits on some of the catches and he held onto the ball. So big credit to Will Pauling. He was my offensive power pair player. Uh, Mikey, who is your defensive power pair?
2: Yeah, real quick, Will Pauling, in addition to – he had a really great game. His blocking, too. If you pay pay attention to him blocking down the field as well. he He's actually really – he looked really, really good at that. So um, my guy I did, uh, Jordan Turner, um, you know, pro, he was – I'm going to bring up pro football focus, but he was the best of the middle linebackers at a 65.6, um, seven tackles, had the one unfortunate bang bang play that got him booted out for the rest of the game, which yeah. really That's sucked hard. because I mean, I, that it's obviously bad in general, but like I want to say there was maybe like six minutes to go in the game or something like that. too. I think it was less than yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was, it was, you know, it was, we were going to win the game. So it had, it was really unfortunate how it happened, especially with that much time left. And um, unfortunately, he's 95% likely going to be. Uh, out for the first half this week against Washington state. I think it's still under appeal right now, but, um, yeah, I the one take, you know, and yeah, but it is what it is. And I, I, I think Jordan Turner, I mean, with, with he, what, what he was going through prior to the season started with, uh, his off field yeah. activities. That's got him a little suspended for like a very small period of time. Obviously it's good to see him bounce back in the opening game. Um, at home and clearly making a statement. So, and the thing about that is Luke Fickle's clearly not on board with this whole um, Jordan Turner getting booted out. He's made it clear in his, his weekly, I think he made it clear in his uh, post game press conference. And he also yep. made it clear in his press conference uh, on Monday of this week. So, um, and he just doesn't think even not just with him, he's under the impression that no kids should be booted out of games at all in general. Yep. So that's, I, I'm sure – and you don't hear many coaches speak out about that, which is what I, I applaud Fick, Coach Fickle for uh, yeah. doing that. So, um, no, of course, great shout-out shout out to him. But, um, no, Jordan turned around a great game. I can't wait until he comes back for the second half on Saturday. We're definitely going to need him.
3: He's yeah. going to be juiced up,
4: boy. <laughs> you know, we get that that Nick Herbig second half that he had – what is that? I don't remember what team it was against last year, but he had like three sacks in the second half after having Never to miss had. the first half. That was yeah.
3: crazy,
4: bro. <laughs> all right, Jake, who's your defensive guy? I took uh,
1: Mikey's favorite player of all time, favorite Wisconsin Badger of all time, Hunter Waller. <laughs> uh, dude, he was all over the goddamn field. Single high. He he was in that linebacker, basically. He was slot or star position. He was everywhere, flying around the field, making tackles. Definitely not afraid to stick his nose in there. He came into this game with a career 38 tackles total. He had 11 total tackles on Saturday alone.
3: Damn.
1: And solo. So the guy, like I said, is not afraid to stick his nose in there. And I was watching him very closely, you know, hearing how, how much Mike uh, likes him. Here's how highly you talk about him the last couple of years. I'm going to be watching him. He's going to be very key
4: uh, in this next week's game.
3: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh,
4: my defensive guy is Alexander Smith. He only had three tackles, did have one tackle for a loss. That was a very very nice play uh, identification on a screen that had blockers. Uh, that wasn't mm-hmm. the only screen that he identified well either. It was it happened twice. Uh, it happened once later in the game too. That Alexander Smith just really early diagnosed wide receiver screens and cleaned up the tackles on them to hold the the Buffalo Buffs for two yards or less. No. So Mikey. Give us your underrated
2: performer. Best part. That's the best part. (laughs) All right. Well, this this is a true freshman. Uh, We did talk about him in our preview uh, a couple weeks ago, but I think it's fair to say prior to that, we did not think this was coming at all for how much of an impact he is making already. It's going to be tight end Tucker Ashcraft.
3: My man. Uh,
2: Yeah. 33 snaps compared to Hayden Rucci's 45. So if you look at it right now, he's clearly tight end two in that room. It's a better uh, snap two,
4: than I thought he would have, honestly.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, two big, big catches uh, for thir- for 36 yards. One, one of the catches that he got, he ran over the, the Buffalo corner, planted <laughs> him on his ass, and then he went for a first <laughs> down. So um, I didn't know he was that big either. I think he's like 6'5", 245, which – I didn't know if
1: he was wearing the pads or the pads were wearing him. That's all I'm
2: gonna say. Dude, the fucking yeah. unit. He is huge. <laughs> and you look at it. It's like, how did this kid go go under the under the radar too? Right. I mean, he wasn't even highly recruited. I want to say, like, besides Colorado, where he was committed to, it was maybe Colorado, Michigan State, Washington State. I think that was like a top three. And then when he entered the portal, that's when uh, Coach Fick and Company found him. So. Yeah, not highly recruited. Um, I believe that once he was actually at first a receiver and then he transitioned over to a tight end his hmm. junior year in high school. And that's where he first started getting recruited just during that season. So maybe he was just a little late to the party. But um, no, I'm excited for this guy's future. Clearly he's a catching tight um, catching tight end who can get out in space and make some plays. I mean, if, if him and Rucci stay healthy, we could be, you know – Doing I right like the potential?
1: Well. Yeah, I really so like the so. potential of the tight end room. They're both young, yeah. both big, big kids, athletic. They can run, they can catch. If if they can learn, which they don't have a choice, they're gonna learn how to fucking run block, right? It's Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give mm-hmm. a shit what goddamn dairy raid, air raid. I don't give a shit. You run block at Wisconsin. You want to make yeah.
4: the NFL, you fucking run block.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the rule. There, there's baseball.
4: there's a long history of it. Of, yeah. of guys who have done it and gone into the NFL and had successful careers, a, yeah. a long history of it. And
1: tight
3: I mean, end is such
1: a weird position now in the NFL. Not to cut you off, but tight end is such a weird position. It's a little underappreciated, but all the best teams that have the good tight ends, oh, they they run they run block and they receive. They know like how to Kelsey, use them. Kelsey's obviously not the blocker that Kittle is, right? But right. he does he does it enough, and he's just that dominant with catching the football. Look at a guy like Jake Ferguson. Jake Ferguson can carve off a, a good eight-year career, eight, ten-year career, just because he's fundamentally sound and he catches the
4: damn ball. I mean, you could just go to, like, the obvious ones, just Owen Daniels and Lance Kendricks. Yeah. Those yeah. two both had, what, eight eight, ten-year careers?
1: Lance Kendricks, not overly athletic at all, but you know what? Fundamentally sound, willing to run
4: block. Yeah. Troy Fumagalli's still hanging on in the league. That dude only has nine fingers.
2: He's still with Denver, or did he go? No, he
4: is with San Francisco, I believe.
2: Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. They they use their tight ends. They use everybody.
3: You got a jersey? Catch a pass.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Training how to play quarterback because they're going to need him. I really feel like Shanahan is so confident that he could
1: take a person from the stands wearing a jersey and make them catch a pass. Like that's how schematically smart he is.
4: (laughs) All right, Jake. Who's your underrated performer? Oh, I'm so excited for this, dude.
1: I picked a goddamn punter, baby. Let's go. Nah.
3: Atticus name. Bertrams. <laughs>
1: Atticus Bertrams. Okay, so he had five punts for 194 yards, 38.8 average, and he had three inside the 20. Now, the reason that I picked him, super underrated, is because he had five punts, you know, within our first seven, I believe it is, seven drives. So – First drive, punt, score 0-0. Zero, zero. We went down, touchdown. Next drive, 7-7. Seven seven. We punted the ball. The next drive after that was Mordecai's first interception. After that, punt, punt, touchdown, end of half, coming out of half. The score is 10-14. to 14. We punted again. He was keeping us in this game along with the defense. The crowd was doing their thing. It was nice and loud there, I think. The, the, the crowd was playing loud on the TV. And then immediately the first drive after that was the 89-yarder, one-play drive from uh, Chesma Malusi and then the Braylon Allen drive, like I like to call it. Eight plays, 97 yards. He had 56 of them. And I got to tell you, he looks a little lighter. He looks a little quicker. He looks a lot like a first-rounder. Just throwing
4: that out there light on his um, feet i said that yeah he looks way lighter on his feet he on does 100 surprisingly the five for one ninety four stands out because he shanked one Yeah, five he absolutely shanked and it was like what a 30 yard punt so for him to rebound from that and still have a good game overall is it makes him a good underrated performer pick so good pick mm-hmm. uh, i went with jake cheney Another linebacker who made some very timely plays. He had five tackles, one tackle for a loss, and like Alexander Smith, sniffed out a screen that came for a big tackle for a loss. So I went with with Jake Cheney for my underrated performer. Now, we can air the grievances with Phil Longo, and I don't have any grievances because I knew coming into this that what was happening was going to happen. We said it during the primer. Phil Longo. Comes in with an air raid, but Phil Longo said he was going to merge his air raid with traditional Wisconsin football, which is running the ball. Mm -hmm. He also said, I don't care if we run the ball 70 times or pass the ball 70 times, we are going to take what the defense gives us. We also brought up that while at UNC, he had a season where he had two thousand yard rushers air raid does not mean throwing the ball 75 percent of the time and what i'll say about it is air raid is more about the pace of play than the type of play and we saw this with the first drive of the first possession quick quick pace between plays like, calling Hike with 22 seconds left on the play clock. The Badgers are not bleeding drives out anymore. They're running oh. a play. They're getting back to the line and running another play.
1: How refreshing is that going from old-school Badgers and Rodgers, who used to run the goddamn play clock down to zero every play.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a good very different
4: paces for our football teams this year. But, like I said, I really, like, feel that the air rate is more – more about the pace of play than the type of play. I don't know if there's anything you guys want to say on the Wisconsin version of the air raid. You go first, Mikey.
2: I mean, you hit it on the head. I, I mean, we said it in the primer. I fully yep. expected us to,
0: you know, even even
2: start off slow as well with this new offense. Yep. Um, I'm going to give a quick shout-out, though, to Tanner Bordellini though, because as a center myself, um, you know, I like to pay attention to that spot. He didn't have one bad shotgun snap all, all day. Huh. A couple of them were maybe a little slow, I, I guess, if you want to say kind of lob, lobby ish, but it's not like he hiked over his head. Like we saw that the spring game. I was, that's definitely one of my main concerns going forward, but um, I just want to give a shout out to Tanner. And he was also the Outland trophy player of the week. If you didn't see that. He was. Yeah, I did see that today. So nice. shout out. Shout out to Tanner. Uh, great first week, especially with the new system and the shot. And he might be, you know, the center now for the next at least four or five games. I mean, to my knowledge, there's no sign of Jake Renfro coming back anytime soon, unfortunately. So um, I think this is going to be his spot for a little while. So if he can keep this up, um, you know, there's going to be more accolades that come along with it. But he looked he, I, he impressed me, actually, uh, in that system.
4: Jake, is there anything you want to say on the air raid before we talk offense? I'm just going to say something real simple. I
1: feel like, and this <clears> is, <throat> this, I, I feel like it got confirmed. The air raid offense is all matchup based, right?
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: I'm going to use Mikey's stat that he said where, you know, the air raid is is getting the ball up, getting to the, the line quick, getting the ball out quick, run another one, catch them off guard, no substitutions, blah, 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 right? But, Mikey said a lot of six-man boxes. I'm going to tell you guys, basics of football. If there's six goddamn people in the box and you have a 250-pound behemoth, literally look like he was made by God himself, you run the fucking ball. Okay? That's just where it ends. Six people in the box,
4: gigantic human being. He's pissed off all the time. You run the ball. That's just how it works. I'm Take sorry. what the defense gives you. The defense is literally giving you a permission exactly. to not have contact until you're four yards past the line of scrimmage. There's so much stuff that can go wrong with a pass,
1: dude like a tip pass, uh, you know, a drop pass from wide receiver falling into a, you know, we've seen that plenty of times with the Packers, yeah. right? Where Rodgers throws it on target, just goes off the receiver's hands. But man, though, it's about taking advantage. If they slide another linebacker in there, guess what? We're slinging it. That's what's gonna yeah. happen. Yeah. So, goes back.
2: It just goes back to what Longo has said time after time after time. We will take what the defense gives us. It's, and that is how you he said that a handful. Of, I, I I swear to God, a, ha- a handful of times already. So um, yeah. it was it was awesome seeing Braylon catching swing passes and letting him do some work. Yeah, I think we're going to see that a lot Um, gonna, this year as well. Your corners
1: are going to get beat up playing the Badgers this year, man. You're going to have to tackle yeah. Braylon down a lot. It's going to have a really it, big effect. It'll be interesting to see the air raid. When the air gets a little colder, yeah, that would be interesting.
2: I will yeah. say, a lot of business, a lot of business decisions will need to be made. <laughs> yep,
4: yep. <laughs> okay, so on the offense, um, the quick pace was the first thing that stood out. A couple of big runs by Braylon Allen and Chesma Lucy, and a nice out by Will Pauling got to a touchdown for Chesma Lucy on the on their first touchdown drive. Um, Braylon Allen on a quick screen with wide receivers blocking is a very exciting play to, to, for, you know, picture the potential of, mm-hmm. um, and then we get to we get to a drive. This was their, I believe their third possession of the game, fourth possession of the game, first down Skylar Bell, wide open. And Tanner Mordecai could not have walked the ball and set it in Skylar Bell's hands any better than he did. And Skylar dropped it and that possession ended in an interception.
2: That uh, that, that was a freaking dime, dude. Yeah. Oh my yes. God. My head was down after that. I didn't even watch the next play, which, hey, not the worst thing in the world because of what <laughs> happened, but. I was sitting down like this after that, because yeah. that was absolutely perfect. We were we set him up for that too, uh, yeah, especially because we'll we didn't ball. really throw the deep ball either in the, in this game. So and it, it was prime to. That's a you know, really something. good way
4: to get passed up by Keontez Lewis on the depth chart,
2: dude. What a, yeah. what a
1: fucking play call by by Phil Longo catching him in cover two and having him stretch over yep. the middle. Oh, oh,
3: yep, cover two.
4: Oh my that's god that's what the potential of this offense holds. Deep right. touchdowns like that often. Yeah. Um the last possession on the offense before the half. Um first, Tanner Mordecai on third and three, slamming on the brakes to let the lineback linebacker go past him and then that running up sick. the first down. That was awesome. Okay, oh, uh, bell did make two catches on that drive. Tucker Ashcraft got his first catch on that drive and rambled through a bunch of tackles. I think he had, like, seven yards after contact. Like, he was just, like, Hulk, just, like, running through people and, like, pushing people off, pushing people down, just literally running over them. That was awesome to see Tucker Ashcraft, and I think we're going to see closer to a 50-50 this week with them. Um, Mordecai was patient in a collapsing pocket and finds DK across the middle, and DK takes the ball to the end zone. That made the game 14-7. to Second half, the second possession, Chesmalusi Lucy on first – First down rumbles for that 89-yard touchdown. Now, the thing that stood out to me from that play, besides obviously the super long touchdown, was every like cutback and change of direction that Ches Malusi made while he was running that long touchdown, they were all in stride.
3: Mm-hmm. They all looked
4: super smooth while he was running that. So that was really, really good to see. Uh, really liked that. Um
3: <clears throat>
4: so that made the game 21 to 10. The Badgers' next possession, a great punt by – I don't remember what the dude's name is, but a great, great punt by the Buffalo punter to basically hit, like, the one-inch line and not yeah. go into the end zone and for them to down the ball at the four-yard line. Uh, Braylon Allen had a bunch of good gains on the ground and a screen pass that set a new career high for receptions for him and also set a new career high for running people over because he had, like, 17 bodies that he caught on that possession um falling at a huge gain on that drive uh Braylon Allen had a 37 yard run on that drive Mm -hmm. and just more bodies catching for Braylon Allen the next play ran for a seven yard touchdown that made the game 28 to 10 that was a 97 yard drive like Jake said in just over three minutes that was eight play 97 yard drive in three minutes and 13 seconds that is what the air raid is about.
1: Bro, we went the whole field in three minutes. That's dang, bonkers. That is nuts.
4: I used to be able to run two plays in three minutes.
1: Fucking <laughs> okay, dude. John Clay for six yards.
4: <laughs> next play. The next possession, sorry. Tanner Mordecai got hit, stayed in the pocket, delivered an absolute dot to Tucker Ashcraft on the sideline. A nice catch and run, setting the pass up nicely. Um Third down play was well designed also having Will Pauling in a wide receiver screen, but the spacing just wasn't there. Um, They had two lead blockers. I don't know if I remember if it was two wide receivers or if it was a wide receiver and a tight end, but they had Will Pauling on the outside. He came in for the wide receiver screen. They had the two lead blockers. I love that play design. Uh, It's a really good way, in my opinion, to utilize Will Pauling's speed uh, and just to get him in some space. Uh, the The Brewers. The Badgers did get stopped on third down in that drive, but got a field goal that made the game 31-10. to um, The next possession was the other interception that Tanner Mordecai had. He just absolutely did not see the yeah, line right in the middle of the field, and the dude just snagged an interception. Um, their next offensive possession, Buffalo tried an onside kick. The Badgers started at their own 46. Um, first down was a 20-yard run by Braylon Allen. Um, another 8-yard run by Braylon Allen, and then a 22-yard touchdown. So that made the game 38 to 14. Uh, that touchdown came a minute and 15 seconds after Buffalo's touchdown. Yeah, damn. <laughs> that was pretty much it for the offense. What's done to you guys from the Badgers offense? Uh, Mike, I'll let you go first again.
2: I got, yeah, just kind of like how I uh, mentioned before with like Braylon, for example, like he didn't catch swing passes or anything like that, like ever. So him like catching the ball numerous times and you're going to, we're going to see it a lot coming down. It comes down to what the defense gives us and uh, seeing Braylon in space, even on those swing passes or even Chez too, because as I said <laughs> earlier, this is, this office is so catered to Ches as well, just as much as Braylon in my view. Um, just getting those guys out in space as well as our receivers and all that. Um, just seeing him make plays, uh, not running in those eight man boxes is, Going to be a breath of fresh air that I think as the season progresses, Badger fans are going to like it. I know I'm going to. Um, Unfortunately, it wasn't like completely clean, but again, you know we said this going into game one. It's not going to be clean. Is what it is. Um, Hopefully, Tanner can get a. Yeah, I mean if Tanner you know completes that ball to Skylar Bell for a touchdown, what 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 are people going? No complaints, literally about the game if that happens. You know it. It is what it is. Like I, I'm, I am going to accept that if we're like Tanner might throw some picks this year, but I'm yeah. also like just watching him. I like, I, I get this feeling like his composure is just solid. He can easily like erase a, a bad memory and just like get back to the next possession and score. So I, I don't know. I just have that impression with him personally. Um I hope I'm not wrong <laughs> after this weekend. I don't have to come back on here and change my mind, but um, no, it, there's, a lot of good here, just got to clean some things up and um, play our best ball towards the end of the year, like what Fix said. Jake,
4: what, the, what stood out to you from the offense? I'm just going to hit on a couple points you both brought up.
1: So, first of all, Mordecai, you could tell that he's a vet by the way that he you know, gets over an interception. He's thrown them before. He's probably going to throw a couple more this season. He's, he's going to have... throw a
4: double digit because he's going to throw the ball a lot. He's going to yeah. throw a double digit interceptions. Might as well accept it. Yeah. He's going to throw a lot of touchdowns too.
1: I just I love I think this game. I'm looking at these first few games as like building blocks, right? I literally have building blocks written down on this notepad. Building blocks because by the time they get to that Ohio State game, which is the big one, right? Everybody's looking mm-hmm. at that one. That's that's the true test this season, right? You know, we play Washington State, who's a a pretty dang underrated team, by the yep. way. Uh, we're gonna talk about that next. Um, then we play a Georgia Southern, and then we play Purdue, and like we got some, some games coming up here where a lot of building blocks are going to be set. And I think by the Ohio state game, Phil Long was going to have some nice tricks up his sleeve. Um, It's all about Mordecai getting comfortable in their center, uh, understanding everything. So it's, it's great that he's a senior and he's been in the in college football for a couple of years. So I just have, I love the building blocks. I love that. We still establish the run. I like that we have some speed out there on the outside and I really love the two tight ends, but the one thing that I want to see is a little bit more two running back sets. I think I think that could be something to watch.
4: That's yeah, fair. That presents so many problems for the opposing defense with those two.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, throw. I think Malusi is talented enough. He's obviously a talented kid. He was a five-star recruit, if I remember correctly, right? By, it depends on yeah, where you look, but I think star, there was some place. He was either a four-star or five-star by Clemson, but right. I think he's talented enough, you know, throw him in the slot. See if a linebacker mm-hmm. goes over there. He could be. He could be a linebacker in coverage, in my opinion. He's a talented kid.
2: I mean, shit. Longo probably didn't release the whole playbook yet either. This past That's what game. Yeah, like twenty eighth,
1: dude.
4: Yeah. I'm, oh, I have a feeling, dude, that we're gonna be fucking shitting on some people. We here. should go somewhere for that game, Jake, because you and I are gonna be at the Wisco Collect event until four. We should go somewhere after that. Shit! Why don't we just go to like
1: fucking game day or something? And meet Mikey. We should do that. Let's do it, Mikey. All
3: right. Minds. Yeah. Plans, plans <laughs> yeah.
4: foreman. I like it. Um, for, uh, people watching us make plans. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the defense, uh, really just some, some good plays and some bad tackling is what I'll say. Um, more missed tackles really kind of helped um Buffalo get their first touchdown. The the tight end did beat, I don't remember who the defensive back was, but just beat him to the corner of the end zone. Okay, because it was Latu, um,
3: okay, yeah. uh, another
4: possession, who was in the backfield, had a chance to blow up a play and just miss the tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, we did get kind of lucky with Buffalo missing a field goal, but yep. towards the end of the half, a big run and a couple completed passes allowed Buffalo to threaten for points, and they got a 53-yard field goal that made the game 14-10 to at halftime. Um, it was in the second half. Latu was in the backfield on a screen, but he's got to make the tackle to finish the play. Um, Chaney did do that On an option run uh, The quarterback was running And he had the very traditional college quarterback Halfback option Chaney identified it, forced the pitch Made the tackle, it was a great play by him um, Buffalo tried to hurry A wide receiver screen Latu did get to that one uh, Broke it up, or wrapped it up Turned it into a loss two So that was a great play by him um, Another quick screen that Buffalo tried to run Chaney stopped short uh, the third touchdown was in the corner. Sorry, the the third down touchdown was in the corner of the end zone. Uh, both tight, both touchdowns were to that tight end. Turner was done for targeting, like Mike mentioned earlier. He's going to miss probably the first half of the Washington State game. Um, and then Buffalo, towards the end of the game, had a really nice screen set up and four Corian knifed through to make a stop. So that was a great play by him. So I wanted to give him a little bit of credit for that. Um, really just this, the defense came down to me was just the tackling um, needs to be better. It was really my main takeaway from the defense. Um, Mike, you from defense.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. Tackling was like the main thing. And then I was frustrated too at, at the time. You know, we talk about, you know, the front seven, you know, our, what would be our, was probably going to be our main concern going into this year. It was definitely mine. We didn't necessarily get too much We didn't have any sacks. We didn't have any turnovers or anything, but another stat, I want to throw this out there. The average release time of the Buffalo quarterback, 2.16 seconds to get the ball out. So that is this, this past week, but that is insane. Like it was a lot of quick tosses and everything. So we didn't really, unfortunately, I don't think get to see what, you know, the D line was really all about. There was a couple of QB pressures, um, here and there and uh, I, in, the stands, in the stands, I'm just like, we need a sack. We need something. But um, no, that, that quarterback, you know, did a pretty, pretty good job. Cole Snyder, I think his name is, but um, no, he had a really, it was a quick release. He got the ball re- real, real fast. And um, a lot of the guys that had to make plays were more so in our, our secondary and I guess our linebackers too. But yes, yeah, there were a lot of missed tackles. Unfortunately, this is definitely not um, Kamoyla two's best game. I think Fickle kind of pointed that out as well in um, the press conference this week. But uh, you know what? The good thing is, I mean, we have a loaded safety room. If you know, should we need to make adjustments? I don't think we do. This is just one bad, one bad game, and it's the first game of the year. Again, we're ne- nobody expects us the te- your team to play clean week one. So, yeah. I guess next game I'm looking forward to because just watching you know some Washington State film. They do have some form of an air raid. However, there are times where Cam Moore will sit in the pocket. So we are going to have, I think, an opportunity to see what the pass rush and even our, what our D-line can do, um, you know, when there's, you know, when the quarterback's going to be chopping back for a pass.
4: Fickle did say he felt like the game was sloppy. And, and Latu we know can thump, but he just needs to use his arms with his shoulders. He, mm-hmm. he really goes for that shoulder bump tackle, and he's got to do that while wrapping up. That's yep. basically what it is, and I'm sure that's something that Fickle's going to go through him with, in practice this week. So I'm I'm confident in Kamoe Latu being able to bounce back from having a game where he didn't tackle very well. But, Jake, what's cool. up to you from the defense? I'm going to tell you the problem with Latu. <coughs> i take a lot of courses because
1: I coach my son's team. The problem with that tackle that he missed, you led with the wrong foot. So that's why his balance was all off. Huh. So that's the first point. Second point, the touchdown he gave up, he was directly staring in the backfield. And that guy ran right past him. And I was like, "Oh, that's that's not a good look from a guy I just hyped up last week. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, you know, and I agree with Mike that we have one of the best safety rooms in the nation. And he's too talented. He's too good. I mean, he transferred from... uh Utah, I believe, right? Yep. 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 I'm trying to remember everybody, man, because there's so many in college That's a football lot. <laughs> So many freaking people move and they're on like three teams now. And I'm like, where the hell did this guy come from now? But mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So Utah for him. Utah is a pretty damn good team last like five they years. They are very today. good. <laughs> uh, th- that stadium is crazy. And I love their red on reds, by the way. Those are sick. Um, but you know, the defense. I'm not, I'm not too worried. They, they did a good job. They held them to 316 yards. The time of possession, by the way, I forgot to bring this up with offense. We only had the ball for 30 minutes. They had the ball for 29:34, so it was almost dead even. We had 503 total yards. They had 316. So right there is a big, giant disparity in, in yards and time of possession. So the defense cleaned some things up. I think schematically, I like it. And I did not know that stat that he was getting rid of the ball that quick, but I was definitely going to bring a pass rush. But I will hold on to it for one more week because I was a little disappointed. I was like, "We're not really getting in the backfield, disrupting a lot of things, man." That's in you know, like you watch center. I watch D line, man. Like that's where my heart is, honestly. I watch D line all day. When the ball gets released, I don't don't look at them no more, obviously. But you know, I'm watching D line every play. I feel like I watch the
4: edges is what I like to watch.
2: Yeah, trust me though, I, I was just as frustrated like in the stands too when it comes to like pass rush because there was literally no signs of life, you know, with yeah. getting pressure. I again again, we got pressure eventually a couple times, but there he wasn't
4: good. They were just, he was just throwing the ball away. It's not like he was holding on to the yeah. ball. Yeah. Right. He was really
2: smart. The quarterback was really smart with it too at the end yeah. of the day. So um so no, I'm looking, looking forward to seeing what we can do. So with the
4: defense, um, it was interesting to see. Mikey, I don't know if you were able to see this from the stands, but um, when it's defense time, Luke Fickle takes a step back and Trestle is the first guy. Like, and Trestle is the one step. who is out there. Um, Luke Fickle, like, literally takes a step back and stands behind Trestle and lets Trestle, Trestle coach the defense. So okay. that stand out to me. Um Basically, growing pains on both sides of the ball, and I'm going to go back to the offense Mm -hmm. with what I said during the primer. Tanner Mordecai needs work on the intermediate, but his short and deep stuff looked good, and that held very true, in my opinion, in this game. Both of the interceptions that he threw were on intermediate passes. He threw an absolute dime to Skylar Bell on a deep ball, and the one that he threw to Kimaray DK was a little bit of a deeper pass. And all of the stuff around the line was caught. Will Pauling was five for five. Braylon Allen had a new career high on receptions. I think what I said about Tanner Mordecai being good on short and deep passes held true. And he does just need to continue working on his intermediate. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, if he continues to get better at the intermediate stuff, the chains will continue moving and we won't see the offense stall as many times as we did, like Jake brought up with the five punts. Mm -hmm. So that's where the the potential lies is in those intermediate passes. That can be a game changer for the offense as the season continues to go.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: Now, throwing the ball more as a team in general is going to increase the number of interceptions that are thrown. It's just the more you throw, the more opportunities you have for interceptions. Mm -hmm. Tanner Mordecai threw 12 last year and I think 11 the year before. So we should just basically accept that he's probably going to throw on average about one interception a game. It's just something we should really just get used to.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Now this game, Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi with the draw plays out of the pistol set. Now the pistol set is a is a quarterback and shotgun with a running back right next to him. Oh my god Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi were absolutely eating out of these sets. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that the air raid brings is by knowing that you have an offensive coordinator who likes to pass the ball if you're going to give him the opportunity. And then, like Jake said, knowing that you have guys who, one of them is a massive dude who's also fast, and then having a dude who's shifty and fast, it sets the offense up for a lot of good things to take advantage to what the defense is giving you, which is what the air raid is about. Taking what they're giving you. Last thing before we move on to the preview third quarter offense for the Badgers. This is just the third quarter 205 yards, 14 points, 13.7 yards per play.
1: That's I mean, helps when you have an 89 yarder
4: on one play. So, I mean, yeah, but I mean, just if (laughs) I mean, if you were to just extrapolate that over a game, you're talking about. 820 yards and 56 points. That's a lot. That is a lot.
2: Yeah. We can do that. Ohio State, no problem.
4: Got
1: <laughs> it. So baseball, if they put up 56 on Ohio State, we're going to the college football
4: playoffs.
2: Yeah. You ain't lying.
4: <laughs> All right. Let's start with Washington State. Uh, Mikey, what are you looking for from the Badgers offense against Washington State's defense? Yeah. <sighs>
2: You know a lot of maybe i mean kind of like what jake you know brought up before in terms of like formations and stuff i'm curious to see if you know what else longo brit brings out in this game playing against a much tough like a i would say a tougher opponent for sure are we going to yep. see these two running back sets in the backfield are we going to see you know four yeah four receivers out at, at once or what else what else are we going to see from the playbook that's what i'm That's what I'm going going to look for uh, offensively. Just to summarize it, Um, hopefully, you know Tanner can sample size only having one game to go
4: off of, so our early season previews are probably going to be a little bit shorter just because there's a little bit less to go off of.
2: Right. So that's the biggest call out for me, I would say. Um, How much more does you know Phil Longo have um, in the playbook that he that we haven't seen yet that you know might come up this Saturday?
1: Cat was fucking my shit. I had to fuck him up real quick. All right. Uh, Jake, what are you looking for from the offense against Washington State? Mikey, you bastard. I want the two running back sets so bad, dude. I kept My thinking, bad, dude. That was
2: too good for me not to bring up.
1: Dude, I really want it because when I saw Malusi in space, and, you know, we've seen it in years past too, right? And then you see Braylon Allen in space. Now you get a six-man box with two running backs. I mean – we could do literally anything. We've we we seen Allen right in
4: traffic. Right? <laughs> I
1: mean, oh, my God. But I want one other thing. And Tyler brought it up before. I don't know if it was you or Mike. But one of you brought up that we didn't throw many deep passes. We're going to need to stretch the field on
4: Saturday. So, hopefully, they're ready for that. Yeah. For me on the offense, the low-hanging fruit is just Tanner Mordecai needs to be more consistent.
3: Mm-hmm. That's
4: really my main yeah. thing outside I of what you guys think. brought up. So, Mikey, what are you looking for from the Badgers' defense against Washington State?
2: Containing Cam Ward by yep. all means possible. Yep. I mean, 37-49 for 451 yards and three touchdowns last week. Uh, 13 <laughs> carries for 40 yards and a touchdown. I mean, the guy, if I guess, keep him in the pocket and just can, and contain the hell of him because if he gets out of the pocket, I have a feeling it could be a long day. We actually did pretty well against him last year at Camp Randall for for the, yeah. for the most part. But now that he's, you know, he's accustomed one year in the system, I'm sure he, mm-hmm. obviously he's going to be a bit much bigger threat. I think this time around. So, um, and it does help though. I, I also think because they do run a similar air raid as well. This defense should be ready for it for, for right. the most part. I That's mean, it's not, it's going to be stuff that they have seen in practice. So um, yeah. just, Seeing the similar similarities and how we can, you know, you know, um, you know, o- overcome any anything that's throwing yeah. at us, whether trick plays with Cam Ward or, or whatever, but um Literally. no, I'm just looking forward to containing Cam Ward at the end of the yeah. day because um that's what the offense is. He's <laughs> gonna fuck around and get himself drafted. Yeah, exactly. No, and I think he will, <laughs> to be honest. He
1: will too. He'll be a late round flyer for sure. Yeah. All
4: right, Jake, what are you looking for from the defense against Washington State?
1: I want us to hit Cam Ward. I want us to hit him again. And then I want us to continue hitting him until he understands that the ground is hard. Every opportunity that you get, now, I'm not saying dirty, but reason. Yeah. this is one of those games. If you close, a little shove on the shoulder, a little, t- a little touch on the leg, let him know that you are there and you are close. This is one of those games the quarterback has to feel a little bit more sped up because we're going to need him to make a few mistakes because last week against who the hell did they play? Colorado State. Colorado State. I knew that. I was drawing a blank. Thank you for picking me up. He did not make mistakes. He was the best player on the field, no questions asked. He had a rushing touchdown, three passing touchdowns. The guy was just everywhere doing everything. This is one of those games, front seven, D-line. Every opportunity you get to knock
4: him on his ass, you knock him on his ass. Make him hear the footsteps. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh the other thing I want to mention with the defense is no Jordan Turner in the first half. Um yep. and then for me, like I'm I'm really actually focusing on the secondary. Like you guys are both talking about Cam Ward and this ties in. Alex Smith was pretty good last week. Mm-hmm. Um and Blaylock had their names called a couple times. I want to see some dog from Ricardo Hallman. One of my guys that I was excited for, like I just like I want to see him take that next step with his his attitude, because uh, cornerback is one of those positions where you need some attitude. Uh, we 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 know it from the guys in green and gold having attitude at cornerback. It,
1: well, look it at all the top five guys in the league, man. They all got it. Jalen Ramsey, Sauce. Yeah. You tell me, Sauce Gardner isn't one of the most confident people you've ever Trayvon seen? Legs. <laughs> I mean, look at freaking – Maybe Dan, I mean, that
4: guy, that guy talks like he's the best, too. you got to yeah. think he's the best. Yeah. So I want to see some dog from
2: Ricardo Holman in the secondary. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
3: So
4: And he did yeah. play. At, he
2: did play all 71 snaps last yep. week, too, which is interesting. So, yeah, that was cool. I mean, he's there.
4: He's there. And he, you know, I don't think he made any
2: big mistakes or anything last week. But exactly.
4: I want to <laughs> see Ricardo make his presence known. Yeah. Can't wait. Right. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah. Mikey, who is your X factor for this game?
2: Uh, I guess I'm going to go actually Tan- Tanner Mor- Mordecai is going to, is going to be Um Yeah. Why, why not? I mean, Washington state knows the run is coming. It's going, we are going to run the ball. So I, I think going into it, I said this last week with Buffalo, at least in the, in my mind going into the game, I honestly thought they were going to stack the box at first and make Tanner make some plays. I still am going to think that's going to happen more potentially with Washington state, probably because they got a few more athletes and they're going to make this kick guy throw because, you know, there were times when Tanner wasn't looking good. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how Tanner can bounce back this week. And I think he's going to play a big part in uh, us winning this game to be quite honest. So I could see this being, extremely high scoring i could see this you know just maybe maybe tanner only throws it th- well 30 times is still a lot but i'm um, just making note like similar throws as the last week as like his completions i could see it going both ways but i'm looking forward to seeing what he does bounce back to, to week two here yep mordecai was my x factor as well i
4: just need to see him consistent that was my thing uh jake who's your x factor
1: there's no other choice it's cameron ward It is. Cameron Ward is the X factor in this game. Everything that he does is going to determine how this game goes. And I 100% agree with you, Mike. This is going to be high scoring. Mm -hmm. And hopefully our defense makes enough plays because this new age offense, this this new version of the college air raid they make it easy. Uh, these dual threat guys, they can either run it, they can pass it. There's RPOs now that are getting integrated more and more in college football. They really make it easy for these kids to read, man. Spread everything out. You get ones on ones everywhere, and they get the ball out quick. So this kid is very good at it. He's a very good college quarterback. I'm not saying what he's going to be in the NFL, but um, at Washington State, he can ball. So he's the X Factor.
4: So I didn't talk about Cameron Ward a lot in like the other parts of this, but he is my key to the game. My key to the game is containing Cam Ward. Um, you guys talked about him a lot and Bob brought up reasons why, but uh, my key to the game is containing Cam Ward. Mike, what's your key to the game?
2: Can I, can I agree to that too? I honestly think that's what it is. Cause Cam, I mean, the dude, the dude's a baller. I mean, just looking even last year overall, he, he is their like heart and soul of this team. Um, I mean, it makes the post easier for for later
4: in the week when I make the post. The you know the yeah do it, I'm it, sorry, it, yeah it, it I'm sorry, but I that's it's,
2: it's makes it easy. It's Cam. It's Cam Ward. There's no question about this dude. Freaking athlete. He can he yeah. can do it all, and uh, he scares the living shit out of me. To be quite honest, key to the game is what was it? I was at, I was gonna guess what Jake's
1: key to the game was. Oh, no, yeah. my, mine is actually the D-line uh, controlling Ward and the run game because they still do run the ball enough over there. So we're going to have to contain that and not allow play-action opportunities. You know how dangerous yeah. those can be.
2: Getting out of the pocket,
4: yeah. yeah. All righty, so when we do score predictions here on Wisco Fanatics, we do them two ways. We do one from the head, which is the more analytical score prediction, and then we do one from the heart, which is where, you know, if we see, like, everything goes right, what this can mean for our teams. So we do this for the Badgers and for the Packers. So Mikey, if you had to give a score prediction from the head, what would your score prediction be?
2: I am going to, from the head, I think this is going to be the spread. I think as of today was minus six. It's been bouncing up from three and a half all the way up to six as of today, which is a pretty big jump. I don't think we quite hit that. I am going to go... 31-27 31-27 from the head, Wisconsin. I think close this is going to be – yeah, I think this is going to be my, very high to score. What mine is. Jake, what's your score then,
4: from the head?
1: It is at six, by the way. I just wanted to double-check you there. Six? I don't think we're getting that either. Uh My prediction from the head is 37-35.
4: Ooh, we are all very close. My score prediction from the head is 31-30. Yeah. Ooh, okay. All right, Mikey from the heart. If everything goes well, what are you looking for for a score prediction there?
2: I'm going to go 35-20 from the heart. I'm looking forward to seeing what our what our defense can uh, can do. Can we create turnovers? I mean, we we hyped up Cam Ward a lot just now, but the dude does turn over the ball as well. Um, last season, yep. he de- definitely did plenty of times. So, um, you know, from from the heart. I mean, if we if our defense is what it was, even. Last year, maybe even just as good, if not a little bit better. There's no reason why we can't get a few turnovers from uh, from this team because they weren't even perfect last week against Colorado State either. I mean, they did a lot, but they also turned over the ball. I think it was once or twice, but um, 35-20 from the heart. Jake, what about you?
1: I still have them scoring 30 because I think that offense is very good, but I have a scoring 41, 41-30. to 30.
3: All right. <laughs> Ooh, my my nice. last one is...
4: Somewhat similar my last month. Mine from the heart thirty-eight
3: twenty-eight. 38-28. Ooh. All right.
4: So, so we'll see what happens on Saturday. We got no Brewer game tomorrow, but we got Brewers on Friday. We got Badgers on Saturday Packers on Sunday. It's going to be a jam-packed weekend. We said at the beginning of the show, Wisco Fanatics is getting very busy. We- Pride, Pride in- time, man. You need it. We in fucking it made it! Into the Wisco team. Collect event that we will be at on October 28th, doing a live show, Wisconsin Sports What If. Uh, that is a 10 to 4. That event runs, so you can come see us in person and see the guys at Wisco Collect. We're going to interview some vendors, and we do also have to say, Cardboard Legacy is one of the event, like one of the vendors we're going to be interviewing. They are giving us a giveaway item for when we hit 5,000 followers on Facebook. Uh, we haven't decided exactly how we're going to run that contest yet, but we are inching closer. We are less than 90 followers away from 5,000 on Facebook. So we're excited about that. And we will see you guys then. Jake and I will be back on Friday night with our Packers primer, our bold predictions, our record predictions, and then a Bears Packers preview. So we will see you guys on Friday night. Mikey, we will see you next Wednesday. If you are available to join us, we would always love to have you. So yes, sir. see you guys soon. Take let's care, do buddy. it. Have a great
2: rest of your week, guys. Go Brewers on Wisconsin and go Pack. Go. It feels so nice to hear that in the same week. Yes. Sir. Um, I'm so excited. Um, you know, let's kick this season off with a bang. All righty. Tune in Friday night.
3: See you then. Yep. See ya.